Saturday, May 1st. Happy holidays to those who are celebrating uh, May 1st, 2021. I'm Stephen Sersky. This is episode 24 of my podcast. Thanks for joining me. Uh, today, I uh, sat down with uh, Father Jay Corbin, who I've known entire my, my entire life, basically. Uh, we used to go to school together, same parish as well. Uh, don't let that put you off. This is a conversation you want to listen to. Um, he is a young priest, newly ordained, uh, graduated from the seminary just a couple of years ago, and is now in Rossburn, Manitoba, Canada. Uh, and today, I, I asked him to come onto the podcast to talk about his journey to becoming a, uh, a, a Catholic priest, a Ukrainian Catholic priest, in this day and age. And I'm sure a lot of you out there have the same question. Um, and would be very interested in hearing uh, a priest, a, a man of faith, talk uh, openly, candidly about life as a, as a priest and as a practitioner of uh, the Word of God. So today, uh, J- Father Jay Corbin is my was my guest, is my guest, and uh, we talk a lot about uh, well, we reminisced about Winnipeg and about what life is uh, like in Canada, the differences between. Uh, Winnipeg, and then our schooling and uh, ad- travels, adventures overseas. Uh, I'm not sure, sorry, he never said he went overseas, but he went to Ottawa. Uh, he's traveled around Canada quite a bit. Um, but uh, as a, a newly ordained priest, he is living in small town, Canada, 500 people. Uh, so his life there and my life here in Beijing, China, obviously very different. Um, but we connected today and we sat down for uh, quite a while, um, but I think this is a good conversation, uh, and I think you need to listen to the whole episode this time, uh, because if you don't, you're probably going to miss something, uh, ranging from, you know, what it's like to go through the seminary to uh, what some are some of the day-to-day requirements or the uh, obligations of, uh, of a priest, uh, but then also, uh, what it's like? What makes a priest laugh? How does a priest unwi- uh, unwind after a day of, as they call it, work? And then, of course, some of the questions, some burning questions that I've had over my life and uh, that I've sort of uh, thrown at various people who say that they identify as uh, Christian or Catholic in my travels uh, of, of all, I would ask, like, what if God was an alien? So we do talk a little bit about that as well. So... I think this is a fantastic conversation. You guys are going to enjoy it. Listen to the whole thing. Uh, and yeah, get in touch with me uh, if you have any issues or any uh, comments afterwards. All right. Here is Father Jay Corbin. Hey. How's it going? Good. How are you? Fantastic. Good. Good to see you. Good. You too. You too. So nice to see anyone these days. <laughs> is, uh, is your... You're you're living now not in Winnipeg. You're you're up north, uh, ish. Uh, yeah, we're well <laughs> up north. Anything past Dauphin is extreme up north. north but, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, yeah, we're we're actually more west. If anything, we're um, uh, in Rossburn, which is about forty five minutes east of the Saskatchewan border, on, okay. uh, kind of along highways. So mm-hmm. we're on the. If you look at Riding Mountain National Park, Dauphin's in the one corner, we're to the opposite corner, so. Okay, okay. So then, uh, like, are you guys, how's the town handling this current um, pandemic? Uh, 
they're pretty good. They uh, it's it's a small town of five hundred, so there's there's not much going on here. Um, but <laughs> wow, I think there's that yeah. many people in my tower in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, probably. I I wouldn't be surprised. It's it's. I mean, it we do expand kind of far beyond the the town limits here because I mean it's a big farming community. Yeah. Um, so we do kind of spread out that way, but uh, but yeah, no, the town itself it's. Uh, uh it, it's a good community um there's there's a, a few small shops we have two chinese food restaurants uh which is always key to any small town like this um but uh but yeah i know we everything's been going going great so far just with being kind of in these lockdown situations uh we haven't been able to really get together with people you know um yeah. my my oldest ben he's in uh nursery school he goes to kindergarten next year and uh like he sees his friends and stuff but we haven't really been able to get together with parents or other families and things like that to whatever hang out or play in the backyard or something like that because it's it's, it's, it's been difficult that way but uh i'm waiting i'm anxiously waiting for things to open up and we can do more and stuff like that so but yeah the kids out here are playing but they go outside and play a lot uh, this weekend we have a uh, it's the labor day weekend here in, in china oh, okay yeah. um but uh, all the kids are outside i mean you, usually you see them outside around 4 30 after school's out uh okay so, yeah. uh, but i mean the the, uh, the grandmas are carrying the babies around all the all day sort of thing but yeah 4 30 is when right. it's like the the children of the compound are like unleashed and it's, uh, oh, it's, nice. it's chaos for about a while. And then I mean, they're, they're farther away from my apartment, so I can't really hear them. Um, oh, but, okay. uh, but yeah, it's, uh, they're ripping around on their bikes and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's not yeah. really much yeah. by way of um, lockdowns. And the kindergarten, everything's open basically now. I mean, there's every now right. and then there's like a right. flare up or something, but nothing, yeah. and nothing ours, like what ours I hear. Is, yeah, it, it, it's a, a little different here. I mean, we, we still kind of have that. Uh, our... We live right across the street from the elementary school mm-hmm. and they have a huge uh, open playground with a, with a giant play structure and everything. Um, and, and yeah, especially on weekends and, or you can tell when it's like a Friday or something like that. Uh, you know, the kids do come, they bike, especially now that the weather's getting better. They, uh, they do come out and they still play and everything. And, and I mean, some parents do like, we can still kind of gather at those places. Um, so, so, I mean, that's why we're really looking forward to summer right now because we hope to, you know, get to do some of those types of gatherings, but it, it's the, you know, the personal residence stuff, you know, we can't uh, uh, get together in our own backyard and have people over for a bonfire or something like that, or uh, even, you know, go for, go to a restaurant with people right now. It's, it, I know it, it, it's kind of weird and there's been mixed emotions. There's a lot of complaints, but I, I'm one of those people that I just do, I follow and hopefully we get it over with sooner, you know? <laughs> The, uh, but it's 500 people. I mean, everybody lives across from each other. Everybody like sees each other all the time, don't they? I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> how does the lockdown work in a, a town of 500 people? <laughs> well, <laughs> off the record, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't always stop people. I will put it that way. Um, I know, especially at, at Christmas and stuff, when when we were actually in a, a complete lockdown type of thing. Um, there were still people occasionally getting together, especially over the holidays. 
uh, especially out on farms, you know, there's the the policing out there is kind of limited and stuff. So because they can't, can kinda... it's farmland. Exactly. How do you <laughs> exactly how do you it's... farmland? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's you know and and stuff like that. So, but I mean, here, uh, like I said, we don't. Our, our closest family is is three hours away, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So that made it difficult for us. You know, they couldn't always come out and things like that. But uh, uh, but I mean, yeah, there are definitely mixed emotions. I definitely have uh, people who are are totally like whatever they don't care type of thing, or or they think not that they think it's a hoax, but they think it's kind of blown out of proportion. Um, and then there are also those who are very you know on on top of things and following things to it to a keys. So mm, yeah. I'm of the uh, opinion that I think things have been blown out of proportion a little bit, um, and yeah, Fair. it's it's something that. I think has been made a big deal of for any number of reasons. I don't know. I mean, right. my my biggest suspicion is because Trump was in office. That was uh, that was sort of my big uh, conspiracy <laughs> theory last year. Uh, yeah. But now, I mean, I don't know. I've heard rumor or conspiracies that you know it's all the the doing or it's being encouraged or not discouraged. I should say it's not being discouraged by the large. Uh, what is it? The vaccine companies like Pfizer and all those guys. Oh right? so yeah, that's yeah. the latest sort of <laughs> alternative idea that I've heard. I'm like, well, yeah. yeah, you know, maybe I guess. How do you ever verify these things? But yeah, I mean, I don't know. When do you think this is going to be over? I mean, because you actually deal with um, a congregation. So yeah, what's yeah, the timeline? Well, do you think that I, I really don't have for it to be completely gone. I have no idea. Um, I think I think that could take a few years and stuff like that um, for us to kind of get out from where we are now. I'm hoping in the next few months, because uh, especially in Manitoba, we've we've been one of the strictest in terms of, of uh, restrictions and, and lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, uh, I mean, we haven't had people haven't been able to come into our province without having a mandatory two week quarantine for well, probably half a year now um so yeah yeah we've been we've been one of the tightest in, in in all of canada which has its benefits i mean we we definitely it does you can see that it helps um but now with these other variants and stuff that's what's kind of starting to hurt us is that uh, there's other variants that are coming in and and we can't get a hold on it so i'm hoping they the last few weeks they've been really um, opening up the vaccine type of thing, yeah. and I'm hoping that will help to to curb it. If we can get more vaccinated, then you know it will curb things, and we can slowly start to open up again. But uh, um, I mean, yeah, especially in and they break things at the beginning. They broke things down by by your health districts. Yeah. So out here we were in the in the Prairie Mountain district, and they had a huge outbreak in kind of in the summer. Um, mostly in Brandon area, but of course it's the whole area. So we were locked down when I first arrived. Uh, but then since then we had been doing really, really good. Um, and it was, it was like Winnipeg that was exploding, you know? And so I said, well, just don't go to Winnipeg. We'll be fine. Um, and, but now it's kind of the whole province is again, uh, kind of growing in numbers and stuff. And so, like I said, our province has been super strict and trying to beat it ahead of the curve, but yeah. I don't know what my my view personally as as a pastor and having a parish um I, I just follow the things because a uh, I'm not my own church I I still belong you know to the bishop and everything so whatever I do uh it will reflect on the rest of the churches and on the bishop um and as well just it would be a, a 
PR nightmare <laughs> if, you know, <laughs> small, small town church goes against orders and stuff like that. You know, and especially out here, we've, we've had churches in, uh, in and around Winnipeg and Steinbeck area and stuff that have been in the news. And, and so I, I, I don't want to risk any of that stuff, you know, um, it, it's too big of a deal. So even whether it's real or not, or, or inflated more than it should be, I'm just, because of the church, I'm just following the rules and, and doing it. So, you know, uh, we, we get along with everyone, you know, I don't, I don't want to put anyone at risk for anything. So. And that is our yeah. public service announcement. Thank you yeah. for listening. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, uh, I mean, I, I live in a country where in, uh, I got to toe the line sometimes too, that uh, it's you can't just be saying whatever you want to say at, at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was, I guess, because the uh, there was a community, who was it? Oh, I, I can't remember the religious dom- denomination, but it was last year. There was an outbreak just south of Winnipeg. Um, right, yeah. So they got a flack for it because everyone went to a funeral and oh, oh I can't yeah, yeah. It was. but that was in the news i mean that that went through my facebook feed and everyone's like see well you should yeah. this and that and another thing oh, i don't know it's is it then i then i go to work and i take the subway and it's packed there are more people <laughs> on that subway yeah. than travel through winnipeg on a daily basis i mean yeah. and i'm sitting there going wait a minute you're telling me that this city of Beijing, 30 million, this subway line doesn't have one person with it when there is a city <laughs> across the world that is having an outbreak. I don't, it's things like this. Yeah. Where I kind of go, I I don't know. I, I think this is out of control a little bit. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly the thing too, is I mean, right here, that's kind of the big um, backlash from, from the, the people is because, yeah, you have these kind of extremes of, of scenarios. You know, right now, the biggest thing is that, well, we can have people in our own backyard where we can be separated around a bonfire. But as they, as people are saying, we can sit with three other strangers on a patio at a restaurant and <laughs> be fine. And, and you know, and, it, and it's true. I mean, but there's all these different perspectives. You know, if you come in from that way, strictly speaking, like, yes, okay, it doesn't make sense. But then if you kind of look at it kind of the other way, you know, uh, a restaurant can can strictly say if you're not, you know, I can't have more than four of you or whatever, and they can disperse. So you can tell them no. Someone in a backyard, I mean, you could end up filling 30, 40 people in your backyard and no one know, you know. So it's yeah. it's kind of like that perspective, too, is like, well, what can be controlled? What can't be controlled, you know? And so it's, very it, it's really weird. Yeah. So they were doing that here last year, uh, the restaurants like where they had separators and they had uh, noses oh, yeah. on the door. Yeah. And uh, there was one bar, one pub that I uh, go to, Great Leap Brewing, and they got shut down a few times because okay. like it's a popular place. Like a lot. And it's not just with foreigners, but it's uh, it's like people go there all the time um, and they, they got shut down a few times because I guess they just couldn't control how many people were coming in. It was one of the few places that was still open last year. <laughs> and so like the authorities would just come by or someone would report them and they, they'd get shut down for a week or something. Yeah. They're like, so they're just like, no, unless you like, we can't let any more than like 30 people in. You have to stay a meter apart or we're going to get shut down again. So please cooperate yeah. sort of thing. Well, and that was even here. I mean, we had, uh, that was, was kind of the the view from, from servers and stuff and hostesses at, at these restaurants is they were kind of deciding to quit because they're like, 
I don't have it in me to tell people no, you know, no, or, or to ask them or judge them on these things. They're like, I'm just whatever, a, a 18 year old server. Like that's not my <laughs> position. And that's like, no, that's someone else's job, you know? So they were, there was kind of problems with that too, is that restaurants were kind of uh, losing staff because they didn't want to be the bad guys. They didn't want to be the police, you know? And, yeah. Well, who is who does want to be that? <laughs> so, if, even the police don't want to be police sometimes because of well, the current mass yeah. media outlash of, of, of them so, yeah, uh, as well. For but, sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, ah, uh, yeah. Sometimes uh, I I find I wonder. Um, and I was talking to a, a buddy a couple weeks ago. I wonder if my experience living overseas would be vastly different if social media didn't exist because, like, thirty years ago. Uh, when like pre-internet and pre-ubiquitous yeah. social media exposure, I mean, right. how would have I ever talked to anybody if there was an outbreak in China? Well, SARS. I mean, back in the early two thousands. I mean, I remember that popping up in the news, but it wasn't as crazy as it is now. I, I, but I didn't know anybody in China. I didn't know anyone li- yeah. living overseas. Uh, now, even nineteen ninety, you know, when we were, when we were in grade school. I mean, mm-hmm. how did you talk to people? It was a phone call, usually at some yeah. odd time at night. It's like, oh, yeah, you're right. That's your old cousin, right? Blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I mean, yeah. we weren't as spread out before. We weren't as connected before. Yeah, I, I sort of wonder. I, 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 yeah, I that's, my, uh, my doubts. <laughs> that's very true. And it, and it is weird because, you know, I mean, you, us right now, and, and I've got We've got a friend in Australia that I, I I can text now and everything like that and and I had a I had an aunt in the '90s who who lived in Japan at the time oh. and and we, we have we have letters from her you know that's how she communicated <laughs> my my sister was her it was her goddaughter and so she would send gifts occasionally and stuff and send letters and we have like the letters with all the stamps and everything on it and. And but yeah, like that was it, or, or like you say, you know, maybe the odd phone call, but sometimes that wasn't even an option too, because back then it was like expensive. It would have been super expensive to do that, you know. <laughs> so snail mail was the way to go. But uh, but yeah, nowadays it it definitely has changed things, and uh, you know, you can communicate with anyone instantly, you know, and and stuff like that. So it's yeah. It, kids today i don't want to be that person with kids today but too late you know they're you you have kids you're married you have a a proper life i mean you are that you are that age where you get kids for sure sure. (laughs) but they're you know they're never gonna under really understand that of of what do you mean like what's sending a letter what do you what's that you know and what do you mean it it took like a week to get there or something like that it's uh it's a reality that they won't ever kind of experience you know Speaking so, of taking okay. time to get, I mean, I remember as a kid when you would send away for like, if you, you know, like the cereal boxes or something that they would, yep. you'd have to wait four to six weeks for, to, and <laughs> it was just forever. You'd forget yep. that you even sent away for the thing. Now I realize two things. One, uh, I mean, usually the, the reason why it took four to six weeks because they couldn't get your mail and for another week and a half. Then they'd have to send the order to China, make the thing, and it was like a per piece order. Like it, they'd have to ex- oh, you know, yeah. uh, export it from China before it actually showed up in the, through the boat that went through Los Angeles <laughs> onto the bus, onto the train, or whatever. I mean, so I never understood yeah. shipping logistics uh, thirty years ago, but, <laughs> but even still, it's like I mean, it would just take forever. You'd forget that you'd even done something nowadays if you don't get an immediate confirmation through your email. Uh, I mean, then it's like, okay, this company doesn't exist to me. You guys are so behind the times. Yeah. 
Yeah, this is a little sketchy that they didn't respond immediately. What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) This must be a scam. And then the worst thing about that whole, like, oh, they sent you a confirmation email. Like, let me just go check my email. Oh, what's my password? And then then you lose six hours of your life. That's where you have to hope that you have a secondary email that you can get into or something. I was actually looking at um, prices for... uh, tickets um cheapoair.com was the one that i use for to like do, it's like it's like skyscanner and okay. tickets are stupidly expensive it's just like anywhere not just back to winnipeg yeah. but i mean uh like yeah. to ukraine to japan to london <laughs> to toronto they're all thousands of dollars i now suspect i wonder if the era of cheap travel is over it's done yeah, yeah, that's uh, well. I mean, even even just regular using your own car. I mean, gas prices over here right now are are soared right back up again because of the new uh, carbon tax and stuff. And oh yeah, uh, so so I mean, even that is uh, it's getting harder and stuff. And I, I was talking with a gas attendant one day a couple weeks ago, and I said, "Worst part is, is like everyone needs it." Like you're not gonna be one day just wake up and decide, oh well, gas is too high, so I'm gonna walk, you know, to the other <laughs> side of town to my job or whatever, you know. Like, like maybe you can take a bus or something like that, but you know, especially out here in rural areas, oh, yeah. like you don't have that option. <laughs> you need you, a car. You, there's no trains anymore. <laughs> there's no whatever. You, you, like you need your car and you need to fill fill it with gas. And uh, so, so I said some people that that is not an option and that they're just gonna keep paying because there's nothing else you can do, you know. Yeah, you know, Canada was built, say what the United States was built on the idea of roads and cars, personal yeah. sort of automobiles. Does the train even stop in Rossburn now? I know it stops in no, Dauphin. We, yeah, we, uh, so we used to have a line that went through here. Uh, it was actually called the Rossburn subdivision. Right. Um, but because uh, it, it was mostly, you know, early 20th century when uh, when they started needing supplies and stuff like that. Uh, and so it used to come... Uh, it branched out from around Nipawa area and then came straight through up to Russell. And I don't know where it went from Russell, but somewhere out there. And, uh, but it has, it was closed, I think in the nineties. And then in the last, I think 20 ish years or so, which would be the nineties, but <laughs> somewhere in that range. There would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, math was always my strong one. No. Um, somewhere in that range, they, they ended up removing all the, the, the railway line and everything. And so now it, it exists. It's part of the trans Canada trail, right. um, but it, it's known as the Rossburn subdivision trail. And, and uh, in the winter it's, it's heavily used for, for snowmobiling because uh, it's a great <laughs> path for that. Um, and Hopefully especially not farmers, on the tracks. Been... Hopefully not on the no, tracks. No, no, like, that's what I'm saying. Like All that stuff has been all removed uh, oh, for okay, those 20 okay. years. And, and so now it's just an empty path. And so they use the, the snowmobiling a lot in the winter, especially with farmers. I mean, that's, that's a lot of their activity in the winter. Um, and then uh, in the summer, there's a lot of walking and biking and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah. So, I mean, I could travel from... Like I said, all the way from Nipawa, all the way straight up to to uh, uh, Russell beyond here, um, on that path. But but no, the trains have not existed out here for a long time. So it's uh, like I said, if you want to go somewhere, you need a car. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, one of the funny things about living here in Beijing is that I I don't even I've never bought a car. 
I, I <laughs> don't. I have never bought a house. I don't need to. But if I keep traveling and if I live in cities like this where I can cycle everywhere, it's just. And there's yeah. a subway. I mean, I don't take the subway much anymore. But we have these share bikes, which I know Winnipeg has oh, yeah. trialed before uh, during the summer yeah. months. But I mean, mm-hmm. it's. I don't know. I think Winnipeg. Winnipeg could be on the forefront of uh, winter tech. I think it's sadly sorely behind. Sure. I mean, they should yeah. get some engineers there, some creative people. Like this is what you got to do and make it scalable yeah. for a, a, a city of that size. But here, I mean, we got share bikes all over the place. It cost me yeah. 80, 80 jowl, which is like 20 cents to ride a bike every day. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's great. I was, uh, I mean, I was out in Ottawa for a few years for about five years and uh, Montreal is, is big on that. They have a lot of that, uh, of the shared bikes in, in Montreal and Quebec and stuff like that. Uh, Ottawa, through my time there, they started introducing them. Yeah. Um, they did not nearly have as many as somewhere like Montreal and Quebec, but, uh, uh, but they were starting to be a thing. And, and, and that is a, another, you know, that's a great place for that too. They've got tons of trails, the canal and everything um, that they could really benefit from that. But again, it's a place that everyone has a bike anyways. So uh, if anything, it would be more for, for the, for the tourists and stuff like that. But, but I mean, yeah, I agree. Winnipeg. Um, I, I, so I, I come with a geography background and, okay. and I remember doing like city planning and stuff like this and um, in, in university. And one of my biggest things was I said, you know, Winnipeg, we have our, our river and the, the river walk itself. I mean, as great of an idea as it was, it was a total mess up because I think in the 30 years it's been in existence or whatever, it's been flooded for over half of that, you know, it's been flooded for 29 and years. Yeah, exactly. Collectively so, speaking, so, I mean, yeah. it, 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 it needs working. You know, uh, my wife is from Saskatoon and uh, they have a beautiful trail system along the river. Um, they also have a system that the river like rarely ever floods, but, uh, that helps you know, it's higher up. And, <laughs> yeah, it helps, but it's higher up, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's concrete and everything. And it's, it's beautiful. It's a wonderful, uh, system there. Whereas ours is just, it's failed miserably. And I said, you know, if they could fix that, then your summer would be better. And even the winter. And I mean, I know sometimes we have issues with our, our freezing in the winter and stuff, but I said, if you connect that trail through most of the river, there would be so many people that would could use it for for skating or walking or biking even uh because i know uh, winter biking is very becoming a, a big popular thing out here now um and and you know you could use those as ways of transportation to connect because it goes right to the university of manitoba which is yeah to be a huge hub a huge hub you know hop on the river go down to the school you know and it'd be um, cool but, i mean it's like the only other yeah. place i've traveled by river was in thailand or in cambodia but i mean it's like oh i'm in the yeah. middle of canada and taking a boat you know or you know taking the, the <laughs> exactly. river trail so that but wait a minute exactly what would they have to do to make the trail work in winnipeg like you're, um, it, it is it, it floods i mean there's there's sh- shitty water flowing across that <laughs> sidewalk a lot more times yep. than not. And I, I don't mean yep. shitty water like it's not poopy. It is poopy. I mean, it's, <laughs> exactly. it's not good. It's not clean water you want to be wading yeah. through sort of thing. I mean, yeah. so how would they even address that issue? Well, I, I think for, for summer, if you're wanting to do the trail, I think it means not putting it right along the river. I think you need to uh, either, either build it up further along the bank or like... Um, where in and I think like Jasper or Banff or something, there's those 
uh, and I think in, in tons of Asian countries too, they have in like mountainsides, they have those big bridges that go across or, or, or lookout points, you know, that kind of yeah. arch around a corner, something like that. Do something like that where, you know, it might be uh, kind of elevated more so that if your flood does rise, you know, then, then only chance is like an extreme flood where it's, you know, like our, our famous 97 flood or something like that, Yeah, where, you know, for sure it's going to go, but if you can do it elevated enough, then, you know, maybe, I don't know, something creative. It that can't sounds be like it's going to cost long... a lot of money and time. <laughs> True. Which uh, we tend to not have that either. Now, either. We don't have patience and we don't have the money. So it's, uh, I would say that but... if a, an idea like that, if that came to China, they would do it because labor costs here yeah. are much uh, lower than in Canada, but in Canada, how much right. would a laborer get paid to do something like that? It's like twenty, twenty-two dollars yeah. an hour. I mean, sure, the government takes yeah. their income tax, but I mean, it would be cost prohibitive. The only thing I would ever suggest for Winnipeg to do is make it float, uh, like floatable, and so make it so that just put and again an extra yeah. cost, like not build a bridge, <laughs> but like yep. build it on wooden planks, put those little uh, yeah. boys on there or whatever the uh, the the yeah. uh, the fluff floating devices, and then that yeah. way when it floods or freezes, I mean, it just it moves yeah. with the water. I mean, wouldn't that make yeah, more sense? Exactly, yeah. I don't know why they haven't done that, but the, the, the gravel path that they have was probably the cheapest, uh, most expedient option that they could come up with. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, and, it's, and, I wish they would do something with it. I mean, it, it's yeah. such a great idea. But and you know, the other thing too, <laughs> is, is even just in the summer, I said, making more use of those boats. I mean, we have those, those, the, the river bus that goes yeah. from like three points and it's mostly tourism like make it an actual thing of transportation take people down the river somewhere you know <laughs> yeah make it useful uh, i i tried to take it and then it was like it was shut down or something um and yeah. it, or it came at every, some odd time i'm like who the who would take this like this is inconvenient <laughs> yeah. why are, and like exactly. uh, the other thing okay like full disclosure in thailand if you were to step on the boat you would probably go does is this safe you know, that, that that's going to be your first thought. In Canada, right. you're not going to ever question if it's safe because it's been certified safe by who knows how right. many government organizations. And yeah. if there's ever a hint of it being unsafe, you can report, you can sue. I mean, there's such there's more of a legalistic um, yeah. liability in terms of making something like that happen other than like in times like I have a boat, there's water, uh, there's people who want to move. I can do that. <laughs> I will take your money. Thank you very much. Demand, supply, <laughs> done. Yep. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's how it basically works. Oh, uh, you know, so, the, I mean, if we were in charge of a city, we'd have things working properly. I'll show you how it's done. For sure. For yeah. sure. Um, but so yeah. you've been around Canada quite a bit then. So you're in Rossburn now. You you grew up in Winnipeg. You've been in Ottawa. Yeah. Um, Ottawa mm -hmm. for five years. When were you back? When were you in Ottawa? So I was there from... Uh, summer or, or fall of 2014 uh and then i finally left in the spring of 2019 oh wow okay so it, yeah that was basically yeah. uh it, like when i left for china in 2014 right oh so uh, and you went oh, oh okay well, yeah we were yeah. in the same neck of the woods then because i was in montreal for oh. a month and i did those uh, okay. those share bikes i was in ottawa in july of 2014 oh, yeah. um oh, like okay, I, yeah. I was traveling yeah i moved out then, in, in about uh, yeah, I moved out late August. Out, uh, I drove out there, so oh, okay. It was in preparation for the school years, so I had to be there for September. So right, what was yeah. Ottawa like? 
it was I found it to be a pretty awesome place to be. Um, I, I often told people I said if I if I had to live anywhere else other than Winnipeg because I'm a I'm a true diehard Winnipeg fan, um, regardless of the the muddy rivers and the dirty rivers. But yeah, uh, <laughs> um, I I said if I ever had to live anywhere else, you know, Ottawa would be a place to to go because um, uh, as big as it is, it, it's still it's very similar in size to Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, it is definitely more sprawly. I mean, their, uh, their actual, I think city boundaries would be like, if Winnipeg were to include all of, you know, Selkirk and the West and East St. Paul and, and, and Headingley and all those things, you know, it, if we engulfed all those areas around us, that would be kind of what Ottawa's size is like. Okay. Uh, but the, the main core of Ottawa is just like Winnipeg. Um, I mean, yeah, we've got all the, the, the politics there, but it's, um, it's a I mean, pretty can, <laughs> it, it's very pretty. Uh, there's a lot of history there. Um, you know, especially where we lived actually not too far from the canal itself. Um, and to get to school, I drove along the canal daily to, oh, to wow. get to my classes. So, yeah. so, I mean, yeah, there's, you get some bends there where it's canal on the left side and just a wall of beautiful trees, and especially in the fall, you know, it, it was, oh, you, you couldn't get much more beautiful than that. And, uh, and like I said, the history, you go downtown with, uh, Parliament Hill and everything and, uh, there, there's always something to do. Like just like Winnipeg, um, their their summers are full of festivals, uh, not just in Ottawa, but even like the surrounding areas. There's lots to go to, uh, and stuff like that. So it is. It, it reminded me a lot of Winnipeg. Um, it has a lot to offer, a lot of culture and things too. Uh, so uh, it is. It's it's a beautiful town or city. And uh, uh, like I said, I it, I did I do miss it. I I wish. Uh, I, I could go back for a visit. Uh, we, we've made plans uh, in the past to go uh, when we do have a chance to go back and visit friends and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, I would, I had no complaints being there. It was, it was a wonderful experience. And the people that we like, at least the community that we were in um, was, was a very welcoming community um, and, and just the right size, you know, it wasn't too big yeah. that you, you felt <laughs> small, but, uh, but at the same time, it wasn't like this tiny little thing, like a town of 500, <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but it was good. It was good. The community was wonderful and and very diverse as well. So the you know when I go to Ottawa, it's a pretty city. It's very it's very good. Uh, it is very lucky because it's in that corridor. First of all, yeah. their winters aren't as bad as Winnipeg. Like they might no. complain about it, but they're not. Number two, I was going to say <laughs> depends I, who you ask. <laughs> well, ask any Winnipegger who's gone to Ottawa in the winter. Like this is right. cold. I mean, this is yeah, exactly this exactly. is spring here. Um, but they're also in that corridor where you can go to like Montreal. You can go across the uh, uh, the border pretty quick because it's it's Gatineau. That's yeah. right beside Ottawa. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And the only beautiful thing about that is that Quebec, the uh, province of Quebec, has its own legal system uh, within the the larger. Uh, Canadian legal system. Right. So there's like alcohol for sale and like there's other things you can buy in Montreal, uh, in Quebec, yep. the province of Quebec that you can't get readily in Ottawa. I remember making right. beer runs because it was cheaper in Quebec uh, rather than cheaper in, and, yes. and you can get it at a corner store. You don't yeah. have to go to an LC or something. You can get it right at the corner store. <laughs> yeah. So we, we would drive Great. 35 minutes to go to the corner store in Quebec, which yep. would, well, whatever. But I mean, uh, the other thing with Ottawa, um, it does. Uh, I remember one friend. This was years ago. Uh, she was. Uh, she worked with impoverished a lot of impoverished people, and she was like, "Yeah, 
Ottawa has clean parks. There's no needles around the place, which I, that comment has always stuck with me. Because as you move <laughs> further west, you start looking around, and I've seen images from Dauphin recently. I'm like, oh man, that's there's oh, some yeah, yeah. there's some unseemly things happening uh, sometimes. Um, yeah. But I remember that being an issue. Like Ottawa takes care of its parks. It's very pretty. The only thing about Ottawa, every time I go there, I go, and I, this is where I start respecting like the Western Canadian viewpoint of politics because it takes you 36 hours by bus to get from Winnipeg to Toronto, another six hours to Ottawa. That's 18 hours. Imagine if yep. it was on horseback or train, whatever, and you're going, this guy 20 hours away from me is telling me how to do my job across the country. I don't know that, that <laughs> even in the play uh, of airplanes, I mean, you can't take a direct uh, uh, flight from Ottawa to a lot of Western Canada. It's only to the major cities. So. Right. Yeah. yeah. But uh, every time I go, I sort of appreciate like, oh, that's why the West is very different politically than the East. <laughs> yeah. Very, very true. Very true. And, and yeah, you do experience that because, uh, uh, it is. I mean, even though we do have our, our big cities out west here, you know, Edmonton and and on uh, Calgary and stuff like that, and Regina. Still, let's let's not forget it, Regina and Saskatoon. Okay. For sure. Let's not sure. forget the prairies. <laughs> but it, it's you know, living in a town like or in a city like Toronto uh, versus somewhere out here out west, it's total different experience. Uh, the the lifestyle, the the experiences that you have, totally different. And and it is. Um, I. Like I said, I, I loved being in Ottawa, but being a, a very proud Winnipegger, uh, <laughs> I took any opportunity to to flaunt that and and you know to to boost uh, boost the prairies. You know, it wasn't just Winnipeg; it was it was the whole prairies and everything. And because uh, uh, it is, I mean, it's it's a beautiful place to live out here. Um, and I've been I've been loving it. I mean, I've been here eight months now. And uh, every day is is just as beautiful as the next because it's. Uh, I mean you get these sunsets over the the nice large horizons that you can't get in a big city you know and uh uh the farm country and stuff like that it's everything's beautiful out here and and i'm close to to riding mountain national park uh just right. north of us which uh again changes significantly once you kind of get into that park boundary there uh in terms of, of landscape and everything but it's uh yeah you have beautiful experiences everywhere and uh uh, you can get that in those places too, in Ottawa and Toronto. But you, you kind of you either have to travel far, or you have to look for them. You know, where it's... in Toronto is there a nice mountain range? I mean, it's not a big mountain range. Okay, well, not I mean... a mountain range, but <laughs> it's a hill. It's Touché. a glorified hill. I mean, it's a well, Rocky Mountain I'm, I'm... National Park. I mean, it's it's big, right? Exactly. But you, in Toronto, exactly. it's you have to go so far from downtown. You're right. you're out of the city limits at that point. Far, 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 yeah. far. I mean. I yeah, guess Ruddy Mountain sure. is what uh, an hour, two hours from Winnipeg, or is it actually three? Hours uh, driving, it, it, it's closer. To, yeah, closer to three. Yeah, yeah. right. So I mean, we used to go through it on our way to, to Dauphin to go uh, visit family up there. So, I, right. All right. So, okay. I hear I'm bashing Toronto, saying you have to get out of the city center, and then here Winnipeg <laughs> boys saying, "Well, now this national park." Okay, so it's the same thing, I guess. <laughs> but Ottawa sure, has yeah. the Ottawa has mountains right beside it, uh, and I mean you can drive right. anywhere just outside of Ottawa and yeah. find and, gorgeous and landscape. Exactly there, because it is the it's in the Ottawa Valley, which uh, um, yeah is the I mean the river that goes right behind Parliament Hill there, 
Um, and then you start again, you go right into Gatineau. There's, there's the, the famous Gatineau park there, um, which, uh, you know, it's got huge kind of ups and downs there. Uh, Again, very beautiful. Uh, we, when we, (laughs) so last year we spent one year in Winnipeg before we came out here and we were, that was kind of one of the biggest things that we missed was, was our trips to Gatineau park, um, because you could go there anytime. Um, you know, it was perfect for, for a drive, for a hike, whatever, you know, uh, it was tons of space there. And so we were kind of missing that. And I said, well, you know, we've got Birds Hill, which is whatever, but it, it's a close park that you could do similar stuff in. Yeah. Maybe not as beautiful, uh, but, you know, it is uh, close enough. And then coming out here and and uh, being right by Riding Mountain is, is great because uh, uh, we very quickly got a, a, a one-year pass, you know, for our car so we could just go in any time. And, uh, I mean, you've got lakes up here that, that, don't even allow electric boats in there, you know, because it's uh, only only canoes or whatever kayaks because it's a hundred percent clean and everything like right. that. And uh, um, you know, it's uh, the wildlife. You you see wildlife all the time and things. It's it's beautiful. So so I'm very thankful that we are up here because we do get to uh, access that a lot easier than if we were you know further down south in Winnipeg or whatever. So uh, it, it's our it's a lot Close more peaceful, I would say. I, I would say it's a lot more peaceful Very. to live in a small town like uh, Rossburn. I mean, yeah, it's a, a yeah. 500 people. Yeah, I don't think, I think that's where most of my students would, my, no, not even. I think most of their towns are like 2,000, 10,000. Like a small uh, town here is like a million, a couple million people. Uh, yeah, wow, but yeah. but they all look the same. Like, and they, they boast that there's such development in this country, and there is. Congratulations, China. <laughs> The issue yep. is, is that when there is a concerted push to modernize, everything looks the same. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you think of like any <laughs> of the major infrastructure movements, like one of the reasons why Ottawa and Montreal look so great, so pretty, is because it was built back 100, 200, 300 years ago. Not 300 years ago, but yeah. hundreds of years ago where that European style was imported. They took the best elements yeah. from the European style and brought it to Canada, brought it to North America. Same with New York. You know, I mean, it's a, they yep. have old buildings. But here yeah. it's like maybe in 100 years, if our grandchildren come and visit China, they'll appreciate that. Yes, look at this. Look at these <laughs> apartments. Look at these shopping malls. <laughs> these yeah. very limestoney shopping malls. <laughs> Fantastic pieces <laughs> of simplistic art. It's all yeah. manual. There's no facial recognition at the doors. Uh, <laughs> who knows? But yeah, it's, it's so it's like a small town here is very different. Uh, but the, if you go to any major, basically, uh, the cutoff point, I think, is of 4 million people. At 4 million people, you get a subway system. Under 4 million, you don't oh. get a subway system, but you get a BRT, like a, a rapid transit for bus. Um, okay, yeah. And so that changes the, the, the landscape for the road. Uh, but uh, they have like intra-city uh, in between all the cities. They do. They have built a lot of bridges all over the places. I mean, they're they're like the they are a glorified Winnipeg Riverwalk. It's like it's just bridges. There's a mountain there. There's a mountain here. We're gonna connect them, and they would go do it. That, I don't know about awesome. the longevity of these infrastructure projects. It does make me kind of a little bit yeah. worried. But uh, that's why I'm also hoping that AI and robots are developed a little bit faster. Uh, the current uh, crop of Chinese children growing up are very educated and probably won't yeah. want to spend, you know, hours in the elements fixing a bridge, you know, 100 feet up. 
So that's why we need to build some robots to go send them up there instead. Sure. I mean, that's that would be awesome. <laughs> that yeah, that'd be pretty cool. I would. I would like that. <laughs> I highly suspect that China will be on the forefront of that simply as an economic decision. It's like well, because no one wants to crawl up the sky skyscraper. It's too it's too far. No way, man. It's too scary. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I remember uh, uh, one of the first times as as an adult driving into Toronto and they were starting to build some of their super super tall. Uh, you know, apartments and stuff. Uh, and I said, I, I not only being up there to build it, but even just living up there, I don't know how I would feel looking at my window in the morning and just seeing like, seeing like the lake, because that's all I can <laughs> see because everything else is below me, you yeah. know, like that'd be a little freaky, but, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. I mean, that's, uh, it's a thing that not everyone thinks about, but uh, I'm sure at some point it's going to be a reality, you know, so. It's only re- recently dawned on me that I'm on the 11th floor in my building, and I'm like, I've never lived this high up ever. Um, it seems kind of natural, but it's not the 11th. Yeah. It's not the true 11th because they skip out uh, anything 13 and anything with the number four. They they don't oh, build. Okay, yeah. So it's like goes uh, one, two, three, five, six, you know, so on and so on. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that must be a prairie boy thing, a prairie person. You know, I like to be close to the ground, not high up in the yeah. sky. It's like very much grounded. Uh, if I can't yeah. see the ground, then I, it's too too high, sort of thing. <laughs> too much. <laughs> well, we too were far. when we, yeah, when we were in Ottawa, we were in a, a building that had uh, about twenty six floors, um, and we were on the second, <laughs> which was lovely. Um, I think actually it was technically the third because the uh it was the there's a like the main floor of the lobby and then there was a floor of uh, uh like offices and stuff and then we were the, the first floor up there so so we were technically three but um but yeah it was uh nice and low it was perfect right, right overlooking the parking lot and uh I, I do remember going up to someone's apartment on the 24th to the 23rd floor and I remember looking out the window and it was, it was a great view. Um, it was kind of looking towards uh, the North. So you, you saw a lot of trees, you could see kind of parliament and, and downtown and stuff like this. Like it was a beautiful scene, but yeah, yeah I don't know if I would want to do that every day. Like I was content with uh, watching everyone coming in and out of the parking lot <laughs> and everything and everyone walking in and out of the doors. But Yeah. I can, uh... the only thing, the one thing I like is like I can see the the tops of the trees if for my apartment. Okay, yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. like so that keeps me grounded enough. I'm like okay, they're, they're touchable, uh, yeah. not necessarily not touchable from here, <laughs> but I mean, they're within yeah. eye line basically. Yeah, yeah, that, that I would be able to handle that. That would be good. <laughs> the uh, one of the strange things about coming to Beijing that I, I realize why it feels so impersonal and crowded here is because like especially. This comes back every time I go back to Winnipeg. The buildings are so short in Winnipeg. You can see the roof of a Winnipeg apartment building. You can't see them yeah. in China. Like they're they're 25, 30 floors up and you're going and they're they just line the street. Uh, people say right. that a lot of some people say that Beijing is a, a green city. I'm like, I see concrete. Uh, I mean, there's there's little <laughs> bits of green in between the concrete, but I mean, it's concrete yeah. all over the place. It's it's scary. Wow. But then you go back to Winnipeg and you you see the houses and the houses are dwarfed by the trees. To me, that's more, I mean, that's what I grew up with, right? Yeah. Where, where nature yeah, exactly. is bigger than humanity, but here it's like, nope, humanity is now bigger than nature. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's uh, where we lived last year. Um, I mean, I, 
where I, where I grew up, we were kind of out, outside of the city a little bit. And so we didn't have uh, necessarily as many trees. Um, from what, what I remember being told is that where our house was built is actually uh, one of the, the kind of the dump sites for uh, the Kildonan Place Mall when they built it. So they, all, oh. the, all the dirt that was dug up, that was kind of where they dumped all the dirt. So, so we didn't have trees a lot and stuff like that. Um, but then, yeah, where we lived last year uh, in Winnipeg, we were in the North End. And yeah, you're in this uh, beautiful streets that were just full of trees. And, and especially, you know, in, in the height of summer, you drive down, and sometimes you don't even see the sun because it's so well shaded from the trees that just go right over the road. Uh, you have this beautiful archway and stuff like this. And then the best is in the fall when everything changes colors yeah. again, you know, and you get that beautiful uh, palette of colors that just you drive anywhere and it's oh, it's gorgeous. And, and that I do. I love that about Winnipeg is that there are so many trees. You have this wonderful canopy um, that uh, that really adds beauty to like you say anything you know whether it's just plain old houses or or whatever and and you don't see that a lot in the newer developments you know that's um it's a unique characteristic to to kind of the inner city there you know north end and and west end and and so forth and then where you grew up there and uh you know once you start getting outside of that kind of hub yeah those trees start uh kind of spreading out and stuff and you don't have that as much yeah so yeah, the, the the suburbs in Winnipeg look a bit more uh can you say gentrified but they, they look more it's more like it's just houses manicured lawns yeah. but and there's not many trees uh which is yeah uh, exactly. I don't know it's kind of kind of sad uh but you're in Rossburn are you going to be in Rossburn for a long time or is this uh you don't know um it's unknown at the moment right. okay <laughs> uh so uh so when I got out here um I was I was placed here for um, a minimum of one year. I got a, my, the letter from my bishop said uh, that I was here for one year because there were um, there's a kind of a, a scenario where two guys, one guy was retiring, and so someone had to be moved to fill his place, right? And then someone had to fill his place, and then I kind of hopped into the picture to fill the other ones. So, um, but there were supposed to be big moves happening this coming summer, so uh, we were all kind of placed on a on a I don't want to say temporary basis, but yeah, we were placed on a one-year um, assignment. And uh, so, so there is a potential potential that we could all, all three of us could end up moving. Um, but the fact that we all just moved uh, and we all have families, uh, I'm, I'm leaning on the side that it's unlikely, mm-hmm. um, but I'm, I'm still not permanently digging my roots in just yet uh, until I receive that letter, you know, um, I, I, of which I would, at that point it could be five years it could be 10 years i don't know at that point but uh for sure right now i knew it was one year and so i'm, I'm waiting waiting patiently for for a letter just to tell me if i'm going or if i'm staying so wait a minute so you, first uh, we'll, of all you said a couple of things that are very you're going to get a letter it's not going to be like an email or like a facebook message hey yeah nope, stay stay nope. put <laughs> number nope. two uh, you have a contract <laughs> what <laughs> well so yeah it's not really a contract it's uh it's nothing that i i really sign or anything it, it's okay. just uh uh yeah i i get a placement i get it like they say it's more of an assignment um so i've been assigned here and and yes i get a uh i mean i was when i was first told i was moving out here it was in conversation um you know in person but it, it does come with an official letter because everything 
uh, especially for the church, everything is documented. Yeah. Um, it would be like, you know, like government or whatever. Everything yeah. is documented. So it comes in on an official letterhead that's signed and everything like that. Uh, there's a copy for me and there's a copy that stays in archives and whatnot. And um, uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I've been assigned here for one year. And like I said, it's, it expires the end of August. So I, I should be hearing in the next couple months because uh, usually that comes uh, late late spring or so early summer uh, so that you know people especially if we have families we can start packing up and, and making the necessary arrangements and stuff so um, it is it is a big deal it's <laughs> there's a lot that goes on what's the typical contract or assignment duration uh, so it can depend from from place to place um, here in Winnipeg um, most of the the current clergy have been in their placements for at least 10 years uh some of them have wow. been there close to 15 years yeah um uh, i i never want to speak anything bad about my bishop because i do love him he's a great bishop um but he he <laughs> how could you say <laughs> I mean anything that honestly, bad <laughs> <laughs> i mean that honestly but I'm, I'm he he what i've noticed is that he he doesn't tend to to move a lot of clergy um you know he uh since he's been here he's been here uh, well, since about 2006, so that's 15 years now, I think, 16 years. Who's the bishop? And bishop. Uh, of this is Met- mm-hmm. so he's he's Metropolitan Lawrence. He's the bishop okay. of Winnipeg, oh. um, but the the eparchy uh, is not just Winnipeg. It's it's all of Manitoba. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So so he's in charge of all of our Ukrainian Catholic priests here, and he, uh, like I said, he's been here now about 16 years or so. And, uh, and in that time, um, there's only ever been, you know, one guy here, one guy here type of thing. Well, not one guy. It's usually two, at least two are in the mix. Yeah. Um, but it's been small kind of rotations like that. Uh, he, he, I don't think he's ever done a full eparchy switch where, where everyone moves, you know, um, it's probably uh, early too much work. <laughs> Well, Way too much chess know, it, playing there. Oh, <laughs> it, it can be. Uh, there, it definitely comes with a lot of politics. Um, it, it's something I would never, never want to do. Um, <laughs> as much as I sometimes would say, oh, well, this person, there, there's a lot of behind the scenes politics of, you know, guys who maybe don't want to move. And maybe, I don't know, I'm not saying this uh, of anything, but, uh, you know, maybe some guys sometimes put their foot down and say, I don't want to go. Um, especially for, for, you know, there's a lot, Nowadays, there's a lot of guys that are married and have families, yeah. um, and that definitely has an impact too. Because uh, often the the wife has a job, which sometimes is easy to be moved, sometimes it's not, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and sometimes the the wife is bringing in more money anyways. So sometimes that's it's it's hard to to leave a good paying job if you don't know where you're going, and you know. Um, and the other thing is the kids too. Uh, kids have schools and, and friends and communities that they're part of, uh, you know, for them to move, uh, you know, especially if you're within the city, it's not too bad, but if you're either moving out of the city or moving back into the city, uh, you know, that can change a lot because the, the family that was here before me, uh, they were from Ukraine. Um, they've been here 10 years. This has been his only parish, his only experience. Uh, and so this was kind of their their home, you know. This right. was their, as they call it, their their homestead. You know, this yeah, is where they well. started. Um, they grew up with the community here. They had a lot of friends here, 
Um, and then they got moved to Winnipeg. And so, so yeah, the kids, especially, they had to make new friends. They had to go to new schools, um, uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, especially moving from like a small town, Manitoba to big, big city, Winnipeg. I mean, it's big enough where there's a, there's a difference. There's a difference (laughs) in mentality in, especially in that, that school age where it's like, yeah, you just don't play the same games. You don't do the same things that uh, kids would do in the, in the country. and you, yeah, and especially like the the lifestyle out here is, I mean, you know, uh, like I said, we're, we're right, right across the street from the elementary school and kids are often, they just hop on their bikes and they come to the park and stuff like that. Uh, that doesn't always happen in the city. And and depending on kind of where you go to school, your friends aren't always right two there. minutes away down the yeah. road, you know, like, <laughs> they're across that, the city. Uh, that, yeah. And, and so, and I, I believe they, so they all go to, to IHMS too. So uh, which, which we know, I mean, your, yep. your friends can come it. from anywhere in the city, yep. you know, so uh, that, that makes it really difficult for them, you know, and that kind of switch. So it's, like I said, there's a lot that can go into it and there's a lot of factors uh, that will make a difference. And and so I, uh, they're hard decisions. I would never want to have to make those calls. Uh, thankfully I'll never be a Bishop, but I, uh, you know, I would never want to be in that position to be like, Oh, well, I'm uprooting your family and moving them three hours from here you know it's, why can't uh, you be a bishop a, why can't you move up to that level because you're married I'm married because you're capped so you're yeah. you're capped as a result of being married yes there's uh, there could be i could receive um <laughs> uh, uh awards and and i'll be elevated uh in terms of rank of a priest um but i'll, I'll never become a bishop because i'm married so wow <laughs> yeah so the that is like the 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 ultimate glass ceiling pretty much pretty much <laughs> now but let's be fair that could probably change i mean you just you just finished telling me how like most of the guys there are married and i'm guessing that bishop lawrence is probably a bit older and that a lot uh, of the yeah. bishops are a bit older and that the church uh, going forward might yeah need to reconsider the the ceiling level they might have to well shift it that, and that's an interesting thing because uh i mean a lot of people definitely think that um they they think uh i mean just as just as how people think in the roman catholic church that they're all, all of a sudden they're, they're running out of priests and they're gonna start allowing guys to be married in the roman catholic church uh, you know there's a lot of those types of thoughts but uh, not necessarily true because there are uh, first of all, I mean, especially in the Roman Catholic Church, there are plenty of clergy, uh, as much as they are short in maybe in perspective to other generations uh, yeah. or something like that, there's still plenty of them. Um, and and just like that, uh, we, as especially in Canada, North America, um, are, are going to do the same thing that the Roman Catholic Churches are doing. You rely on immigrants. Um, you know, <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but it's true. So like, hear me out in, in the Roman Catholic church, you know, we have, uh, especially where I was in Ottawa and, and even here in Winnipeg, I know we have, uh, there's a lot of guys that are, um, and, and they're not necessarily always here for long-term. Sometimes right. you're only here five or 10 years or whatever, Yeah, but you, you get priests that come from another country. Um, that have studied and and they come in just like here in Manitoba, uh, we have a good number of priests who are are from Ukraine. Yeah. Um, some of them married, some of them not. Uh, but the same thing would go for the bishops. Is that 
uh, our, our bishops, um, you know, so right now in Canada, uh, we have currently only three bishops looking after five areas. Um, our bishop here in Manitoba, he's the oldest. He just turned 70. Holy um, Congratulations. Yeah, so technically he's got technically he's got five years left because retirement is at 75 for a bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and right now all three of them are Canadian born. Um, now in the States, they have five or six bishops there. Um, and two or three of them are not born in North America. They're born in Europe. And, mm-hmm. and right now, actually, our, our Ukrainian Catholic Church globally, uh, we do have the youngest bishops in the Catholic Church, the entire Catholic Church. Wow. Uh, we have some guys uh, that were just ordained last year. I think he was 39 years old, uh, ordained a bishop. And so, so there are options. Um, it just means that they may not necessarily be, may be, may not be coming from Winnipeg or Saskatoon or wherever. Uh, that the last few generations of guys have come from. Um, so it means that we'll we'll likely get, uh, you know, maybe an, a bishop from Ukraine or something like that who... I could see that. Yeah. We have good English, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, is uh, that's kind of what the trend would be, is that your bishops are going to come from other parts of the world, not necessarily, they're, they're not going to be homegrown, you know, so. Yeah, that, I, I can see that happening, actually. And, like, you, Ukraine wouldn't be an odd choice either, because especially with the Ukrainian Catholic Church in, in Canada, it's, I mean, yeah. that would be seen, like, yeah. as a, you know, they're sending someone from the motherland. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, and, it, and, you know, it, it sometimes does get met with a little bit of a, a contention there, because, uh, sometimes yes, people would love to see that, um, but at the same time, uh, you know, there's there's difficulties with that because uh, you'd like to think that uh, being a bishop can be you can be a bishop anywhere. You just fill the role, whatever. It's just kind of the same job. It's a job, uh, a job, right? You, know, I mean, you got to do the work. Yeah, but uh, you know, everywhere you go, our church, as much as we are one church, we still have differences. You know, and especially in the diaspora in Ukraine, yes, everything's going to be very similar. Um, but you know, the, the experience of the church in Australia is different from Ukraine is different from Canada, different from Brazil, you know, there's all so different experiences. What would be different the big ways difference? Run, so. How can that be? Uh, so, well, sometimes it's just the communities themselves. Uh, you know, we have, um, I mean, okay, I'll use, I'll go back. Europe still a very, um, religious uh, uh, kind of culture more or less Um, especially if you're in ukraine uh you know you you go your churches are full there's people that are there praying daily uh and stuff like that it's a big part of their lives still come somewhere in north america that is is less and less you know um as (laughs) much as we like to think it's part of that did coronavirus really empty out the churches or was it Was it happening Was it anyway? already going that way? Yeah. Did it just <laughs> finish up, you know? Um, but that's the thing, you know, the, the culture is different here. Uh, so, so you mean, you know, they might have different expectations of what they've experienced in Ukraine. Uh, it could be totally different here. And, and same thing, if I were to go to Ukraine, um, it would be a much different experience for me uh, coming and growing up here in North America. It's uh, uh, just simply the culture itself is, is big enough to, to do that. Um, I've seen priests who have come over here uh and and kind of had a culture shock 
Um, and it has even resulted in, in health issues, you know, uh, sometimes people are having panic attacks or, yeah. or whatnot because of they don't know how to handle the situation. Um, even in, in Canada right now, we had, there was a bishop that was assigned to the Slovak uh, uh, eparchy, which is based out of Toronto. And, and traditionally, most of the guys have come from Canada, but uh, they assigned a guy that was, came from, from Europe. And he ended up just kind of leaving because he could he couldn't handle it. It was not what he was expecting. And what, know, being uh, a young bishop, I, I don't know the full circumstances of it, yeah. but I know it was enough to to you know kind of uh, kind of drive him back home because it, it was that different for him and that hard of an experience. Is I think his English was a big hurdle too. He oh, didn't yeah, have very be. much, and uh, uh, you know, so it, it is. There's. Again, like I said, as much as we like to think that we're, we're one church, which we are in, in theory, uh, but we are. We're, we're very diverse and we have differences wherever we go um, and, and expectations can be different. So it can it can be a challenge, you know. So so, the guy who returned, was he He was from Ukraine? Uh, I, I know he was. So he's part of the Slovak church. So uh, could have been Slovenia or something like that. Oh, it wasn't. Okay. It was an Eastern European, but it wasn't Ukraine. Yeah, right. And this so. is the funny thing about being Canadian or going to Canada and being told about the wonderful country and how diverse it is. Uh, if you showed up on the shores of Vancouver or were dropped in the middle of Regina and started speaking French to someone, most people are like go the hell. I yeah, I know grade <laughs> six French. And if you're told that you're going to relocate to like, oh well, don't worry, there's a Slovenian uh, community, and yet the young kids don't know what you're saying because they only like partially paid attention in class. Uh, your <laughs> reality check, it's not going to be such a fun ride. Yeah. I know it's like same thing exactly. coming as an English teacher going uh, big difference between English teachers and priests and bishops. I mean, <laughs> English teacher, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll fill the role pretty quickly. It's like, they'll just find the next yeah. guy walking down the street, the next foreigner that shows up priest bishop a yeah. little bit more difficult to uh, to find them just walking <laughs> around sort of thing <laughs> yeah uh, exactly but, so no, then, but no that's the thing does yeah. that mean that you would be able to travel like outside of canada then like if the the church needed you to move somewhere else they could send you australia brazil so uh, yes and no um it doesn't quite work with that like that for us here in, in North America, especially in Canada, because uh, most of our eparchies we are very low on priests. Right. Um, you know, like for for example, I'm not just looking after one church here. I look after uh, a whopping twelve churches in my district. <laughs> um, so so we are are, are very short uh, on clergy, and and so if anything, we would be we would be requesting. From other countries, especially Ukraine. Yeah. Um, like I said, most of uh, we have a good, I would say probably almost half of us now are from Ukraine. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, and um, but yeah, I mean, we could, if I, for whatever reason, wanted a change of scenery or something like that, I could put in a request to my bishop. Um, you know, and I could ask him. Uh, I could ask him for, for sabbatical, like a, a year off where I go and do ministry somewhere else or something like that. Right. Um, but uh, for the most part, you know, I've, <laughs> I was ordained here and I'm going to be here, you know, my whole life. Um, uh, it does, it does also vary. I mean, sometimes there are, I mean, we also have jobs as clergy within the church. Mm -hmm. um, now, 
my my pure lack of of uh, Ukrainian language uh, is going to be something that keeps me here in Manitoba, which I'm totally okay with. Um, but I mean, we've we've had guys who who uh, have gone on, you know, back to Ukraine and worked right at the right at the top level. You know, worked with the the patriarch and stuff like that. Uh, you know, in jobs there. Um, I actually have a friend right now who uh, he's currently in in Toronto area in Brampton. Uh, he's a deacon. But he does work for kind of the the uh, uh, the whole church right now. Um, he was sent back home during uh, COVID because uh, uh, the patriarch, I think, uh, kind of just told him, "No, go home, be safe for now, stay <laughs> there." Uh, so I think he does have plans to to return. But um, you know, that's depending on your expertise. Um, you know, you could end up in other places. Uh, I've known a lot of priests who have, like I said, been in. Uh, in Ukraine, um, some have gone to the states. Some have been uh, even just even just across Canada have been kind of transiting across Canada, yeah. uh, depending on their job or their skill set and stuff like that. So, so it can happen. But um, like I said, you uh, language is a big thing. You need to be bilingual at least, or or you need, uh, like I said, a good skill set that is. Uh, either rare or or very valued that that they need you you know uh, not what, anyone what else. What skill set does a priest need? <laughs> well, sometimes there's uh, you know especially in the in the what's called the the curia the kind of the administrating body of the church. Uh, you know sometimes it's things such as as, as communications or or something like that or. Uh, maybe you're you're really good with a certain type of church relations thing, or okay. Um, uh, what's the other thing? Um, interfaith type of thing, or things like that. You know, uh, what do you mean you by interfaith? Special... Uh, well, there's in most churches we all have something that uh, uh, an interfaith council or something where uh, we we interact a lot with other faiths, not just other you know, Christian churches, um, but even with, with uh, Muslims and, and Jews and stuff like that. And you, you do find a lot of that in Ukraine, actually, uh, because Ukraine does have a lot of those uh, diverse kind of faiths. And so uh, they often have uh, meetings or gatherings with other church leaders, you know, be it uh, a rabbi or an imam or something like that. So, so you know, like I said, maybe that's ecumenical side of things. You might be uh, well versed in that, or it might be your specialty. So you might be on a council like that or something like that. You know, it's um, uh, you don't you don't necessarily think about it, but there there can be a lot of. Uh, kind of unique jobs that you might need, you know? This is um, the first I've ever heard that this sort of, there was such <laughs> diversity in the, yeah, you're, ca yeah, you're calling well, it work. And I, I, I'm actually even surprised that you're calling it work, but I, I guess that's. Well, uh, and, and that's the is. thing. I mean, most people, when they think of church, they think of, you know, your own little parish, your parish priest, your, your community that you gather with. Uh, but I mean, yeah, we, we still have a uh, kind of a governmental structure um, and with that comes different departments and different jobs that uh, that often are filled by priests. But sometimes it's nuns, sometimes it's laity. You know, it, again, it depends on your skill set. If if we have some, I mean, especially in Winnipeg at the time, uh, you know, in the '90s, we had a lot going on for us in Winnipeg, um, and we had uh, you know catechetical programs that were run by the laity, the youth programs that were run by the laity, um, you know, stuff like that. So it's um. Uh, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot of 
jobs that are out there in the church. Uh, but uh, yeah, if you're skilled enough and you're needed enough for that, you can be hired. So can't so or, or taken taken from where you are. Right. So, but do, how much choice does a, a priest, uh, you or someone of, of your level, what, how much choice do they have in where they're going to go and what they're going to do? Um. So for me, I have no choice. <laughs> um, you know, like, I mean, even even as a pastor, um, I, I really don't have choice. Uh, like I said, there are assignments. So you get you get assigned by a bishop to, to where you're going to be. Um, even in these jobs, you're you're generally assigned or you're invited or asked or whatever. Uh, now, sometimes you, you could probably decline, uh, you know, like if I were asked right now to to go do something in Ukraine, um, I have a young family and stuff, probably not a good time to be moving across the world, uh, either with the family or by myself, you know, so right. uh, if they gave me the opportunity to decline, I, I probably would decline. Um, but that being said, I mean, even even a bishop, uh, a bishop technically uh, when he's a when he's a priest and he's gets the call from Rome saying, "Hey, we want you to be bishop of so and so or wherever," uh, most guys say yes, but you do have the opportunity to decline. Um, mm. You know, there uh, there's there could be any reason. You know, it could be uh, health of a of family or something or whatnot, or, or your own health even, or or maybe you really don't feel like you're qualified. I, you know, there could be a million reasons, but. Yeah. Uh, I, I personally don't know of too many that have declined, um, but I do know it happens, you know, uh, and those things are usually quiet because usually when you've got the call, you don't often say that you've been called to be a bishop until you either are or you just don't tell anyone that you were asked and you declined, yeah. you know. So it's, uh, but like I said, it does happen and you can have the the ability, the the freedom to say no, but uh, usually, I think in most cases, you get the call, you go. <laughs> Sounds more like the military so, than anything else. Like you know, you're following orders of uh, of a sort. I'm very sort. close, actually. Many people often make uh, uh, you know a, a, the correlation between military and and the church because uh, it is a you know a hierarchical system uh, that are very similar, and and yeah, you you. You get called up when you do good or when you're qualified. And uh, yeah, you, your commander, your bishop will tell you where you're going. And, you know, you have X amount of time to pack up and, and move. So, uh, and which <laughs> my, my, my wife's family is mostly military uh, and a little bit of clergy. So, so we know that very well. And, and it's, it is true. It's uh, you you go when you're told, and and like you say, it's very close to the to the military. So, what sort of military is your uh, your wife uh, come from? Uh, so, so her she comes from um, a family of uh, four siblings. So there's there's four of them in total. She's the second one. Okay. Uh, so they all grew up in small town uh, as well, small town Saskatchewan. Uh, her dad is a priest, and so very much the same life here. Um, but, uh, they all, when they were young, were very involved with the, the cadet program. Okay. And, uh, so they all went through it. They all did the summer camps and everything. Uh, and somewhere along the way, her mom actually got involved, uh, with, with leading stuff. So she was actually the first to really enter into official military, right. um, as a, as a cadet leader. And, uh, since then she's had a great career with that and, uh, 
uh, you know, has been a high-ranking officer with with different camps and stuff throughout the summers and and everything, and, and within Saskatoon. Um, but then from there, her her two older brothers, or sorry, not her two older brothers, her older brother and her younger brother, uh, they have both joined the military, um, and uh, one went went straight in, and the other one went through school first and kind of did training at the same time and stuff. But they, um, uh, yeah, they are both uh, went the military route. And, and then later on, her, her dad, um, who's, like I said, is a priest, uh, about not quite 10 years ago, but around there, uh, wanted to join as well. So he joined and became a padre. What? And so that's... <laughs> he joined yeah, the military. So, <laughs> yeah. So, so he's, uh, he's actually, he's been um, deployed before. He's been, uh, uh, last year, he was deployed to Ukraine, actually. Uh, to be military chaplain with the Canadian forces there, and uh, and stuff like that. So he's so yeah. There's four of them out of the six are are actual military, and uh, so it, like I said, it's it's a big part of their family. So, so wait a minute. What, what about the other two? What do they do? <laughs> so so my wife English she teachers. Didn't follow that. Well, <laughs> no, not quite, not quite. They. Uh, so my wife, she she wanted still the, the kind of that service uh, orientation there. So, uh, but she followed the church route more. Uh, so she went. Uh, she has a theology degree, uh, like myself. She actually got it before me, um, but she has always wanted to do uh, like youth ministry and things like that. So, um, so she's worked for the Ottawa Archdiocese uh, when we were out there. Um, she, like I said, she has a, a theology degree, a youth certificate. Um, and uh, has done some church, like parish ministry. Um, but right now, again, because our, we've moved twice in the last three years and stuff like this, it's uh, um, kind of up in the air right now. So, so right now she's focusing on, on raising a family. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, once, once they grow up and once we get out of all this uh, COVID stuff, you know, we hope that uh, uh, she gets into something like that again or, or wherever else. I know she, she has a bunch of ideas, but uh, either way, it, it's in that kind of um, ministry-minded mindset. And, uh, and, and the other one, the last one, the, the youngest sister, uh, she's actually a paramedic, so not quite, not quite military, but close. Well, she's got to uh, deal with know, all that did... gross stuff that you know shows up to yeah. an accident scene. <laughs> exactly. She sells a uniform and and everything. Right. So uh, uh, yeah, so she she was a paramedic for years up uh, north in Larange, Saskatchewan, and now she's actually going for her advanced career paramedic uh, training right now. So advanced career advanced care so care. there's oh, there's okay. primary care and then there's advanced care so you could uh, you get to kind of do more um administer more uh you know you your your level of drugs or medicine that you can administer oh, okay. gets increased right it's kind of like how you have your, your different levels of your nurses you know your your a regular nurse or a, a, a whatever physician nurse whatever you know i don't know the whole rest yeah. but something like that like they they have more training so they have more abilities that they can do so you know more about this than i do as an english teacher there's no real i mean unless i did more administration stuff i mean it's a, I, I show yeah. up I yeah teach kids mostly actually i don't That's teach fair. so much anymore but uh whatever but, <laughs> <laughs> oh good so you have a very properly organized family it sounds like on both sides i mean <laughs> yes <laughs> well 
for for their work, yes, they're very organized for their work. But uh, I would say uh, when it comes time for you know Christmas ho- Christmas holidays or something like that, uh, yeah, we like to have fun though still. So that's good. <laughs> so wait a minute. who who would get after you more for saying something uh, on this podcast? Would it be your wife or the church? <laughs> well, it depends who hears it. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hopefully lots of people. Hopefully lots of people. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, so then you've been uh, in, Ro- you're in Rossburn now. You could move around at any time. Who knows? I mean, what was it, uh, what was the process like getting to where you are now? I mean, in terms of, because you said you were in Ottawa, uh, and you're still a young man-ish, <laughs> yep. even though you do have a little bit less hair than the last time I saw you. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. I, you got to angle the lights the right way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but like, what what was it? Uh, what what sort of made you go in this direction? Um. Well, so first of all, it, it's been a very long, long process, a very long journey. Um. I I personally have have wanted to be a priest oh since as long as I can remember since uh, probably was about four or five years old um why what uh, sort of put that interest in you well our so our family we i mean we always did sunday liturgy and stuff like that and uh uh where i went to church in in transcona uh in eastern winnipeg there um i grew up with a, a pastor there father michael boyachek who yep. uh, he was a great pastor and everything and um he very somehow i don't know i don't even know why but he became like a role model for me you know um to the point that uh, i would i would play church at home you know most people play doctor <laughs> or whatever i played church okay. i would set up a little table i'd get my my bible and, and things like this and um uh, you know there's even stories of me uh, at, a, at a dance competition uh, i wasn't dancing but my my sister's dance competition years ago in toulon and uh i was giving the whole the whole dance class mini oreo uh communion on the baseball mound you know like i i had everything down like that was that was just what i wanted to do i don't know why uh, i don't know exactly what it was that um drew me to that uh you know especially that that early of an age but uh something did and it and it never went away you know um it uh it kept growing um as i got older people would ask me and i said well i, I there was, a, I think at one point I would respond with, I want to be Pope, which quickly <laughs> faded, quickly faded. <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, yeah, for, for the longest time, that's kind of what the answer was. And it just stuck. Um, along the way, there were maybe other uh, side professions or, or backups, you know, in case. But uh, the one constant was always the priesthood. And so I followed it. I, you know, throughout... Uh, my my teens and stuff i i grew deeper in my faith and everything um i i learned how to be an altar server and, and serve very proficiently and everything like that um you know i learned learned a lot especially in those teen, teenage years um and then same thing i i eventually when i got to university uh, i was always encouraged to go and get a, a backup degree uh, yeah. Just in case, just in yeah. case, even though I was still pretty set on it, but it was, you know, as a parachute type of thing. And, um, and so I, I went to University of Winnipeg and I got my BA in, uh, it was actually a, a double major with um, philosophy and geography. So uh, interesting. Comment. Yeah, <laughs> well, my original intent was going to be uh, 
going to to to, to teaching uh, with geography as my my major. Right. Um, and then eventually, I was told, well, when you get to seminary, they're actually going to require you to do a lot of philosophy, so you may as well start doing that now. Oh, okay. So I ended up doing it. I ended up doing so much of it that it worked out to be <laughs> a double major of geography and philosophy. So I know an odd combo, but, uh, but there, there is reason. Um, but you so, want to be so a yeah. teacher instead. So, or, or what was, you well, said you had some, that was uh, some my, ideas. My right. Yeah. That was my, my backup of, you know, if all else fails, I'll have a teaching degree and then, you know, I could, I could go anywhere from there, you know? So, um, that was, that was kind of the plan. And then, like I said, the philosophy kind of ended up taking over a little bit more and, uh, the, the teaching got dropped and, um, uh, so, so yeah. And then I ended up, uh, finally applying and, and getting into, to seminary. So I, I headed out there. Uh, I had just finished my, my, uh, ended up doing five years at university of Winnipeg because I had so many other credits. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, then I moved out to Ottawa to do another five years there. So, so in total, I did 10 years, 10 years of university. Yep. And if anyone who knows me, I, I hate school. I absolutely hate school. Uh, I, I could Doesn't not sound like it. Out of there. Yeah, I know. I know. And that's the thing, especially if you look at my family, I have spent the most in, in school uh, out of all my, you know, my, my sister and all my cousins and stuff. I've spent the longest time in school out of everyone. So uh, it, it's funny that way, but, um, but no, I mean, that's, like I said, it was a long process because of that, because I, I, been wanting to do this since I was a very young kid um, and I followed it ever since and did like I, I like to say I did my time and uh, uh, I mean it's it's come out on the end but uh, it's yeah it was, it was definitely a long time getting here though. The, now you said that uh, someone who told you uh, when you were at U, U of W uh, that you should start doing your philosophy like because it sounds like you have some sort of career guidance at that point. Uh, well, kind of. So um, the, the well, actually, as of now, I guess he's no longer is the current rector, but the, the, the former rector of the seminary, the, the guy that's in charge there, uh, was actually a priest from Winnipeg, Father Michael Wynn. And I know uh, so Father Michael Wynn. He's a, exactly. He's yes. an engineer so he, by trade, isn't he? Yes, he is. Yeah, he's uh, and that's he will tell anyone who listens that he, he is actually an engineer. <laughs> Actually, at one point in the seminary, we had about three or four engineers living under this under under the roof of the seminary. So, was that that um, picture of you guys in Ottawa? Because I saw something uh, come across Facebook. Just it could have been. Recently. Yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, there's there's like I said at my time there was uh, uh, there's two guys for sure from Saskatchewan plus himself, and I think there was one more that had uh, had some some kind of engineering as well. So. Uh, yeah, but uh, so no, he was. I, I'm I'm good good friends with him, uh, you know, most of my life. And so he was already the rector of the seminary at that point, and he yeah. was the one that said, you know, the requirements from Rome are are going up. You know, they're increasing more philosophy. So, so you know, it would would be helpful. Um, probably at the time, it was you know, do a course here or there type of thing. Uh, but I ended up doing enough to to do a degree with it so <laughs> oops <laughs> <laughs> yeah which which in the end was not bad because by the time i got to ottawa i only had to do a couple kind of filler courses um and then i was done my philosophy so so it, it kind of worked out I, I would have had to do it at some point anyways but uh it just somehow worked out that i 
did it all at once. So, <laughs> so then what what philosophies are we talking about here? Like you, obviously classically trained, like Plato and Aristotle, you have to go all the way back there. Yeah. So it's for the most part, it, it's it's a general kind of philosophy degree. So um, yeah, you you do a lot of your classics. Uh, you do modern philosophy. You do. Uh, your different kind of streams of, of like morals and ethics and things like that. Uh, so mine is is pretty pretty broad. Uh, you know, I've got the full full spectrum. My I would say my favorites though would have been uh, like morals and ethics for sure. Um, why is that? I, why would that be your favorite? I just uh, I just really enjoyed the sometimes the debates. Uh, you know, of going back and forth of, of trying to determine what was right, what was wrong. Um, there's also... That's what social media that, is these days, isn't it? Well, exactly, exactly. And and uh, and within that, I mean, there's also just... Uh, there's a pl- plethora of, of ways that you can uh, determine those things. You know, there's all these different schools of thought of, of how to determine what is morally right or what is morally wrong and stuff like that. So, and even those were, I mean, I don't always agree with them, but some of them, uh, some of them sometimes made sense, uh, you know, almost to a point that you're like, well, okay, maybe there's that last bit bit there that, that, that just throws the whole thing out, you know? Right. What would be an uh, example? Could you, could you come up with one or can you think of one that would be sort of, it doesn't have to be relevant to anything today, but I mean, yeah, you've done a degree I mean, in it. Well, it was a long time ago, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, there is some that were like the, you know, the maxims of like, uh, uh, or even just how they administered them. It wasn't even just how they determined, but sometimes it was like, okay, if this is going to be the rule, then it has to be the rule for everything in the world with every circumstance. You know, there was no wiggle room. Like a and standard, like a standard. Yeah. Standard and you're like, well, okay, this, for some things, this would make sense. But then you look at some other circumstances, you're like, no, that would never work in that circumstance, you know? So, uh, yeah, there was just... And also, I think one of the things that also drew me to that uh, was I had one good prof in Winnipeg that was uh, uh, he that was kind of his specialty. And, and I really enjoyed him as a prof and, and learned a lot from him. So, so I think that was also kind of the other clincher there was that... Uh, it was a good class. I liked the the discussions. I liked the topics and stuff. Plus, I had a good prof that kind of wrapped it all up nicely, you know. Oh, uh, so, you so, mean professors yeah. and teachers actually have influence on students' abilities to, <laughs> you know, pursue anything? Yeah, sometimes, sometimes. I, I do joke because, uh, again, not not liking school uh and, and not liking you know the process and everything like that but it's uh i mean I, i've had a lot of good profs over the years and stuff uh but it was very funny that my my last year my very last course in ottawa um was probably my best course out of the 10 years um it, it was meant to be a kind of cumulative course that kind of went back through all of your theology and kind of did you know a whole bunch of topics all at once and uh, the, the prof that I had, he was a Roman Catholic priest who was um, uh, from, I think, like Bavaria or something like that. And uh, he, he was, had this wonderful accent, but he was so lively in the way he taught um, <laughs> and, and everything and very engaging, excuse me, which was one of the, I think one of my biggest things was my learning style was always, I needed engagement. You know, I, I hated the sit in a thing and just listen for an hour of, of talk. Like it had to be engaging. 
And this guy was the whole deal. You know, he, he really engaged the students. We had a smaller class actually, um, but every class was was exciting and great conversation uh, and stuff like that. And so I, I said, you know, I joked that it was, it was unfortunate that my, my very last class, my entire uh, school life was the best class that I've ever had. But well, that's at the end of 10 years oh, well. of schooling. I mean... <laughs> You you had ten a decade to prepare for that class basically. It sounds like it, <laughs> well, <anyway>. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, but no, it was uh, like I said, the philosophy. I it wasn't my favorite, but I did have some good uh, parts out of it. Like I said, the morals and the ethics, um, and like you say, you're right. It's it, it's very much what social media is all about right now. Is is determining what's right, what's wrong, and and who has the right to say things and and stuff like that, and. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it can get us into trouble sometimes, but uh, and, <laughs> but if, if it's not healthy, you can do it right, you know? When a lot of those philosophy books were written, though, they didn't have everybody screaming at them. I mean, which is <laughs> what true. social media is. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, I was on Twitter last night, and it's just everyone's shouting something. And there's always yeah. a concern. There's a new hashtag, this and that, and you're just going... I, I I go back to my I wonder if my life overseas would be so much different if I just didn't go onto social media. Like how yeah. how yeah. could I just how blissful would my life be if I just kind of ignored that whole side of things? But okay, so yeah. you've been talking a lot about these courses and like you're in the seminary. Uh, you were in the seminary at, in, in Ottawa, right? Yeah. Yeah. So correct. What is the process of going to the seminary? Because I was encouraged, <clears throat> not just by like. It wasn't just like uh, an off-the-cuff uh, uh, suggestion by my parents at one time. Well, you could join the seminary. I'm like, that's not this guy. No, I don't think God wants me serving in that in those ranks just yet, um, or ever. But uh, it was there was another uh, a friend's father who was like, yeah, you should join the seminary. They pay for everything. Your education's paid for. It's a good job. I mean, just go, just do it. You don't even have to become a priest after. Just go. I mean, so what's the what's the uh, the process of becoming a, a priest of going through the seminary right so uh there whoever that was was very right at in many ways um things do get covered a lot it was mr uh, trash like i'm said, not sure if you remember the trash oh, brothers, okay, but yeah, it was mr yeah, trash yeah, every sure. time I, I saw him he's like join the seminary just go <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you know what i uh, i had uh, some good experiences with him uh, a couple years before he passed uh, because uh, he was he was serving at our parish before uh, before I left, so uh, I got to kind of be with him, uh, and and kind of have that that last little bond, you know, before I left and, and stuff. So, uh, yeah, I, I can hear him saying that. Too. <laughs> but he, but yeah, no, I mean, so I I started by, um, I mean, most people knew my intents uh, of, of what I was wanting to do and and stuff like that. Um, and even my bishop knew that, but I I still had to go through the, the form process. So uh, I wrote a letter um, expressing this uh, to my bishop and to the rector. Um, there, there's an, a whole application process. Uh, at one point, you I did sit down with the bishop himself to kind of have like an, an inter interview with him, um, <laughs> stuff like that. And which again, most people who knew me that that probably wasn't a hundred percent necessary. Uh, but again, there's a lot of formalities that you still kind of have to go through. Yeah, you still like got to do it. Yeah, yeah and, and and I remember actually one of his questions being, uh, "Well, how do you feel about the rural parishes?" 
and, and at the <laughs> he time, had you marked. <laughs> well, I, I it was a joke because I, I often say that I, I think I sealed my my lifetime out here because um, uh, at the time I had uh, just been dating my my well my wife now. And I said, oh, well, you know, she grew up in a small town. Her, her dad was a priest in a small town. And I think it's great. I think it's such an important part of our, of our church, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I went on. And I think I went on a little too much about it, um, <laughs> which, again, nothing against the rural areas because they do find them very important and they are great communities. But I, I think I oversold it. Uh, <laughs> and so, so I think that may have, uh, you know, signed my lease out here for life, but which is okay. But uh uh, but no, so so I sat down with him, and then uh, you know once he kind of gives his approval, and then the rector does that too, uh, then yeah, I, I get uh, my kind of acceptance and, and saying everything. So so I packed up, I, I moved out there. My first year, um, I was like I said, I was still only dating uh, Sophia at the time. So uh, so any single guys or anyone who's dating, uh, you live in the seminary. So the seminary itself is, is just a big building. Um, it's kind of like a dorm room type of thing. Uh, you get your own little small uh, room. Um, there, there's uh, in the in the building itself. There's a we have a chapel that we do all of our liturgical services in. Um, we have you know a common dining room and, and kitchen where uh, we often have our own our, our own cook who cooks for us. Uh, often because we don't have time to cook, uh, we we do on the weekends. But the the daily the daily things were often done by the cook um, and stuff like that. And uh, so yeah, you you live in a community, you you do everything together. Um, your your days are spent at school pretty much, or or at least doing homework and studying and stuff like that. Um, and then uh, yeah, you do often a full pretty full liturgical schedule. Um, it, it did vary from time to time. Uh, sometimes it was a little lighter. Uh, sometimes we got breaks when we were in, you know, exam season or we were overworked or something like that. Uh, especially because you're often our services would start at 6 a.m. and or 6:30 rather, and so uh, sometimes giving that sleep in was necessary. Right. Uh, if the rector could see us dragging our feet, <laughs> you know, so he's like, okay, day off, sleep in. Um, so what, so, what yeah, would you be I, doing at six thirty in the morning? Is that vespers or what do you guys do? Uh, no, we would do liturgies. So uh, we would start the day with liturgy. Um, I guess vespers then, can't uh, be in the morning, can't they? Well, it depends who you ask. Vespers okay. is technically a, a. It's a well, no, it, it can be in the morning, but it, it's usually done in the evening. It's your sun setting service. Yes. So it would be matins. Matins is the next one. It's vespers, matins, then liturgy. Um, but, uh, no, we, our daily recycle w- was, uh, just the liturgy in the morning at six 30, uh, because then we'd be done around seven 30, have a quick breakfast and then off to class for, well, in Ottawa, it was classes started at nine. So nine or eight 30, I don't remember. It was a while ago already, but, but yeah, so you, you, know, you kind of just kind of float into the next thing. Um, and then sometimes, um, you know, uh, feast days or whatever, you might have Vespers in the evening or something too. So uh, you'd have to do that. Your weekends, you always have Vespers on Saturdays and, and Matins and Liturgy on Sunday morning. Um, and and then in the seminary, we also had other kind of classes too. We had the, uh, what are called rector's classes or, or in-house classes, which were, as I always told people, I said, your university was your, your theology, your kind of theory of things and whatnot. 
whereas these rector's classes were our practical side of things so that's where we learned to to get vested and how to prepare liturgy and how to baptize a baby and stuff like that you learned all the the practical skills yeah oh yeah we didn't we didn't get to practice on a real baby but uh, (laughs) you know you, you learned all that practical that physical side of things of being a priest um and even even sometimes uh uh, you know, having we'd have guest speakers that would come in, uh, you know, how to deal with with, uh, you know, counseling and stuff like this with different uh, different issues and stuff like that, you know, be it in an individual or, or a family or whatever, you know, how to deal with things, how to how to run a parish meeting, you know, small things like that. It, everything kind of was covered in there. I shouldn't say everything. There is still a lot to be learned, but <laughs> for the most part, they did their best to to go over all that stuff, you know. So, so what did you not learn in, in those classes? Like, what was, like, one of the things that once you were in the real world, so to speak, that you're like, oh, nah, school didn't really teach me this one? Uh, well, first and foremost, we did not learn how to be a priest during a pandemic. So... <laughs> <laughs> So that was a that was a big uh, learning curve. Was okay, just but how let's to, be how fair. The church has been around a long time. It survived the plague. Okay, there's been other uh, pandemics and whatnot in world history. And the church is a, a world, a global historical organization. There's got to be at least some book, right? <laughs> you would think. Well, there, there, you know what? There might be. I shouldn't say there isn't. There might be, but. Uh, um, but no, for sure. I mean, for a lot of us, uh, you know, uh, especially guys that I, I went to school with, that was our big thing is like, no one prepared us for this. You know, we didn't get prepared to, you know, know how to have to sanitize and tape off pews and, and, oh, and get flow yeah. going right in the parish and stuff. You know, there, there was a lot that we had to kind of learn on the ground. I mean, we were all learning everyone from myself yeah. to the Bishop. It was, I don't think that's a church. We thing. All I think that's a, that's a new world way of doing things. Yeah. That I was a society thing for sure. Even but, China was like, wait um, a minute, we're supposed to disinfect things. What is, <laughs> we usually make this for North American <laughs> markets. Why are we using it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i know exactly it was uh we all learned together for that but uh but i don't know that you know there was um as much as you do learn in the seminary uh it's it's not always necessarily something that you didn't learn but maybe you just didn't have enough exposure to or enough practice okay. of uh you know like for me one of the first things was uh was hearing confessions um when i had done my my confession course uh at the rector's class it was uh, I think the end of my second or third year. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't do anything with it or about it till I became a priest. And I knew what I had to do and kind of what, what had to be done and stuff. Uh, but even just like the, the practical side of, of counseling someone or, or, you know, how, knowing how to respond to when someone says something to you or, you know, confesses their sins to you that was a whole new thing because I hadn't touched it for years and had any exposure to it other than my own, you know, going to confession, but excuse me, but that's not always, it's not the same. That's different. That's you you producing language, not hearing someone saying. Yeah. (laughs) And having to respond to it in the moment, you know, (laughs) I can't say, okay, give me, give me 10 minutes. I'll I'll come back. You know, I can't do that. It's gotta be right there, right in the moment. Let me Google that. How do you deal with this? (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's, uh, you know, that one I think was probably the biggest, uh, uh, like I said, not not something that I didn't learn. It just 
it was done once and then kind of forgotten about. So I kind of had to reteach myself those things. Right. Um, you know, serving the liturgy, I, I've been serving as an altar boy since I was oh, since I was nine or ten years old. And and I'm one of those people that I've I've watched every move of, of every priest and every deacon that I've served with. So by the time I got up there myself, it was very natural. I I knew everything. So that that wasn't an issue. But uh um, but yeah, and then even, I mean, last year we did a lot, I had a pastoral year uh, in Winnipeg. So that was kind of like a, like a student teacher for a year. Okay. And, um, uh, and I got placed in, in two parishes, but I was, I was put in as the, uh, administrator of the office and, uh, which was, which great learning experience. Uh, I did, I did gain a lot of experience from that. Um, but it was definitely in the stuff in stuff that I had no clue what I was doing. I mean, I was like, I what? was balancing, <laughs> I was balancing, uh, you know, bank accounts and, and issuing checks and, and doing all this kind of financial stuff that I had zero training in. I've had no experience with financial things, uh, you know, as far as using my debit card goes. So it wow. was, uh, <laughs> Doing that sounds like, like that. a normal art student who comes into the real world and well, realizes, what that, do you mean the tax true. man takes my money from this? I made the money. What do you mean they're taking it? Yeah, that's that's yeah, art exactly. student right there. No. <laughs> For sure, 100%. I tried telling them that, but I, I, they, I don't think they understood that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was the thing is that, uh, you know, and, and I mean, right now where I am currently, uh, I don't have anything to do with, with finances and stuff like that. Um, my The biggest job I have administratively is uh kind of working my own schedule out and and doing like the parish bulletin and stuff like that and and looking after you know i have we have social media accounts and stuff like that so uh doing some of that kind of stuff but i, I don't have uh especially out here i mean we're small parishes we don't have a full functioning office uh right. with day-to-day -day work so so like i said i don't touch finances which i'm very thankful for <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean that even that is is still it's something that could be a reality for a priest uh, to to be having to do something with it at least, um, and and very little attention was ever put onto that. You know, it was kind of like, well, you might have to do it, but that's about it. That was <laughs> that was the extent of the conversation. You know, so uh, unless you came in with previous knowledge of that stuff, uh, you're going in blind and you hope for the best. You know, so. But I mean, there's. But it was the organization. The church organization has its. There's not too much you can do. I mean, there's probably a textbook sort of scenario where it's like church money comes in, church money goes out, taxes right. go to the government. They always take their cut. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there is, you know, you do give a certain percentage back to the to the chancery office, you know, to the eparchy and and stuff like that. Uh, um, but it was more just kind of the. It wasn't so much the theory of it, but it was the, the practical the side. Practice, I mean, yeah. I, I had to deal with I had to deal with QuickBooks for the first time in my life, oh, which yeah. I'd never touched before. And and I'm having not only am I having to learn how to do all this stuff, I have to learn how to use the program and stuff like that with it. You know, so um, it, it, there was definitely some challenges, some uh, interesting experiences that went along with it. Um, in the end, uh, you know, I like to just look back and say, well, the church still had its money; it didn't. The church didn't explode while I was there, so we're good. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know, I I definitely like I said, it was I I'm I'm not a professional by any means, but I definitely gained experience from it. 
Uh, and even now, uh, you know, if someone were to come in here and show me the books for one or two of the parishes, I'd have at least enough understanding to be like, oh, okay, something looks fishy here. Can you explain this? Or, or why, why do we have this expense? You know, I'd have enough understanding to do that. But uh, yeah, by no means would I be able to be doing the accounting for anything at this point. So <laughs> I'd have to go back and do more school to be able to do that. <laughs> And you and you have twelve parishes to deal with. So I mean, uh, I, I'm guessing that they didn't really cover on how to. Did they have any sort of guidance on how to deal with multiple parishes? Um, a little bit. Uh, you know, sometimes when they when we talked about like, uh, like doing liturgical services and stuff like that. You know, yes, most cases it was kind of under the understanding that you'd have one parish, maybe two, uh, <laughs> but but definitely right. not 12. <laughs> and, um, and like I said, it was more like the, okay, well, how do I do uh, an Easter schedule with multiple parishes? <laughs> or <How> do you? <laughs> <laughs> you spread it out. You do sometimes the services multiple times. And so, so I, I should back up though. My, my district isn't, a full functioning 12 parishes. Okay. Um, I, I have 12 churches that I look after. Um, two of those communities happen every Sunday. So I have services every Sunday and they're, they're active parishes. Uh, another two parishes, they alternate back and forth. So they're every second Sunday, each of them. Um, and then the other eight happen only maybe once, maybe twice. I think some of them are about four times a year. Oh, okay. Um, we, call, we call them Prosnik parishes because they, they, for sure, their their main celebration is their their parish feast day. Right. Um, and then usually there's like an AGM some, at some point. So they're, they're very small parishes with very few members that are actually there, but there's enough that they have at least once a year something going on. So, so my, like I said, my main focus is these kind of four that are happen frequently um, and, and stuff like that. And so, so yeah, like, it, like the schedule gets divided. It, it's not as broken up among 12. It's only four, but uh, a little more doable. But how, still, how do you be at 12 cool. parishes at 830 in the morning? <laughs> exactly. Well, and that's the thing. It was like for Easter, I ended up, uh, well, on Good Friday, we had... Um, so what happens out here is, is they usually drop one community and so it's you do it three times so for Good Friday I did the Good Friday service three times uh, uh, I think it was 10 o'clock 1 o'clock and 4 o'clock yeah okay and then um, uh, Easter was I did one on the Saturday evening and then two in the morning I did a, I think a 6 o'clock and a 10 o'clock so, so which one would be considered the authentic one uh, if you ask me, <laughs> I would have said the, the six o'clock was the most authentic. Okay. Um, just because of the, the practice of it, the, the liturgics of it, uh, you know, on, on Easter Sunday, you're supposed to, you're supposed to start with the church all dark. Yeah. Uh, you move, you move the shroud from its tomb, you put it on the altar, you light that first candle and then everyone lights candles after that. You do your procession around the church and then you come in with the church lit up, you know, candles, everything lit, bells ringing, everything like that. And um, and and so we were actually able to do that. Uh, we started at six o'clock. It was still dark out um, for a really, really rare year. We had no snow on the ground at Easter. Right. So we were actually able to do our processions outside 
on grass and not in snow, which was wonderful or mud. Um, but yeah. <laughs> so we were we were actually able to do all that stuff. And so that's why I think that the six o'clock was the most kind of authentic in terms of what the service should be. Right. Um, you know, we were able to do things as, as full as possible and as proper as possible. Um, I mean, again, but though it doesn't it doesn't take away from anything. Saturday night was just the same. It was just at a different time. Right. Um, and same with the the 10 o'clock. It was we did all the same stuff. It just happened to be a little bit later. So I mean they were all the same service, but it just in terms of feel, I think the six o'clock was the most uh feeling authentic. So I remember yeah. uh back in my days when I went to uh church a bit more regularly. Um do for the later ones, do they still do they put the shroud back, or is it like a con- you do the service again, but there's sort of a continuation, a continuity of like, okay, he's risen. <laughs> We're not putting him back in the ground. <laughs> yeah, he's not uh, back in the cave. So, he's, he's gone. So my um, it, it depends. So so because these were in three different parishes and they were three different services, right? Uh, yeah, you you did it all once, and that was it. Yeah. Um, some churches though. Uh, you end up doing it still once and then you don't often repeat it because what ends up happening is, is your first service is the one that has the matin service and everything. And then your liturgy. And then afterwards, usually it's just the liturgy. Yeah. Uh, they don't do the full, the full matin service before it again and stuff like that. So um, it, it just becomes your, your Easter liturgy, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, often it's, it's done once and that's it. Um and that, like I said, because out here it was different parishes. That's we all did it once, and that's that was it. So, I mean, so then I got I got better as the day went. That's for sure. <laughs> now, now you just said that there's some parishes out there, and this kind of almost makes me feel a little bit better. And I think what will help with my mother um, understanding my plight as a, a backpacker and traveler who can't uh, maybe doesn't go to church all the time, and everybody else out there who right. doesn't go to church all the time. You're saying that some churches don't meet all the time. So maybe if you only went on Christmas and Easter, if you only went twice a year, that that's still, you know, okay. The the so-called CEO. (laughs) So it's one of those things that, again, it it depends who you ask. (laughs) Um, You know, if you you ask some, uh, you know, from from generations ago, they'll say, "Oh no, you go to church every Sunday oh, yep. and you'll be there every time." Uh, which, ideally, yes, would be great and would be amazing. Um, but especially again, North America, we know that's not a reality. Um, the believe it or not, one of the actual like teachings is that you, at the very least, you should go to church on Easter. That is like your your kind of bare minimum because that is the the feast of feasts. That is the what our what the liturgy is based on is the resurrection. Like we celebrate the resurrection every time we do the liturgy. So that is kind of like your if you if you have to go once a year, go to Easter. You know, okay. <laughs> um, but but you're right. Out here, uh, yeah, churches don't always happen, um, and and so. Here it's a little different because a lot of these places, especially now with modern technology such as the car, um, <laughs> you can you can get to the next church, you know, in, in twenty minutes or whatever, um, which does happen. Uh, especially the two that alternate Sundays, um, they're about uh, well, they're about ten minutes apart. The towns, oh, yeah. and so 
when it's in the one town, everyone from the other one goes there. When it's in the other one, everyone goes to that church. So they they do share. They're kind of one community in that sense. Um, and and same thing with the other ones. All these other parishes that only happen a couple times a year, they live close enough that they will come to the other parishes uh, to to do their liturgy. Um, right now, though, during a pandemic. Uh, it's very different because uh, some aren't going at all. Some are only doing online services. Uh, some are going maybe once a month or so to give other people a, a turn because of you know limits and numbers. Um, so it is. It, it definitely varies in that sense. Uh, you have, um, yeah, every every week could be different um in that sense but uh but no for the most part for those who don't have services all the time uh they do attend other churches right it's just it's just like it's it's my home and i want a service there once a year you know actually a lot of these parishes out here are actual historic sites um because some of them are are over 100 years old right you know so uh for that sense too it kind of just keeps them open and stuff uh keeps them active so that they don't just fall into disrepair and and get forgotten about so what is the uh, state of most of the because a lot of these rural churches i mean yeah they're old it's like if you ever go to poland or ukraine or any part of uh europe i mean there's how many yeah oh you need to go see this church after about the third church you're like no no don't need to see them anymore (laughs) i've seen them i mean i I know what happens it's it's the same thing but i mean with these ones in canada I'm going to ask a, a very pointed question. How much does it cost to run a parish? Like to keep a, a parish in the rural part of Canada with the elements that happen. I mean, how much does it cost to keep a church going? Uh, well, that's a good question. And and I honestly am going to tell you that I don't know the exact number. <laughs> um, I, I do know, though, I mean, okay, so some of these really rural ones that are, are like I said, over, over a century year old, um, they are made out of wood. Uh, they have no AC. Their heating is, is literally a, a wood stove in the middle of the church. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and so they are, believe it or not, they are kind of protected, I would say, from elements. Because most of them have, have tree lines somewhere. Right. And, and so they are kind of protected from winds and stuff like that. Um, but I mean like i said they're 100 percent wood so anything from a, a lightning strike or, or a bad put out cigarette or something it could be gone it could be gone or a church um, candle exactly <coughs> excuse me um which which has happened so well and I mean, that's yeah, also why they moved to those electronic candles i mean it was a fire hazard right it just, it just yeah when yeah. you look at it so, now when you see someone with an open flame in a church like no no, get your cell phone lighter, <laughs> get your cell phone flashlight if you need, but you're not having yeah, an open calendar yeah, exactly. candle. It's just too, too much of a hazard. Yeah, yeah. So, no, it, it is, uh, I mean, they are, especially these ones out here, they are in excellent condition um, because some of them do receive funding uh, and stuff like that, and, and they have enough of a community that supports them to to keep them going. So, uh, when I first got out here back in September and I, and I kind of did a tour and I checked some of them out, I mean, there's parishes that were built in, in 1912 or 1904 and they, they're in pristine condition yeah, uh, because they've been well looked after or, or they've had, you know, maybe renos here and there that have, have helped for the upkeep and stuff like that. So for the most part, they're in great condition. 
Um, and like I said, some do receive funding, so that does help uh, to do things. But because they don't really have electricity, um, some don't have running water at all. I mean, you're not paying for any of those bills, which is right. great. You're, you're essentially paying taxes at that point. You know, that's that's pretty much it. Um, and then the other how thing can they be, be get, how can they be getting taxed if they're not doing anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, who knows? <laughs> but, you know, like, like like land tax, you know, like that'd be about it. Yeah. You know? uh, but the other thing would be would be uh, would be my wage. <laughs> so right. so the, it's the parishes that technically pay me. They they pay the eparchy and then the eparchy pays me. Um, but, uh, but there is, you know, kind of a, a standard wage of what we're supposed to be receiving. And so, so as in a parish, the parish would pay that full amount. Uh, in the district, though, it kind of gets divided amongst. Um, and here they have a system of like, basically, they, they kind of calculate it as per liturgy. So, you know, if, if you have 52 liturgies a year, you pay X amount times 52. If you have four, you pay X amount times four, whatever. Right. And, and so, uh, and, and a lot of that comes out of donation uh, or most of it all comes out of donations rather, you know, so it's, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know the exact, like I said, the exact amount, but uh, I'm sure some of those hundred year old ones, it does cost because, you know, there's not a lot of people left. And so it does get harder. Um, because there's also insurance too. That's the other thing is that they yeah. have to pay insurance to provide these things. So, so there's like wage and insurance are your biggest uh, expenses, uh, which which for a smaller community can be hard. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's why would they know. pay insurance on a building that is? I mean, it seems like it'd be almost a better idea to just make it a communal effort to maintain it, and that would be your insurance rather than paying a company somewhere that for what to do more paperwork because oh, oh our church burned down <laughs> well, okay well i didn't need to fill out a form to tell you that and we you can see the, the chart <laughs> remains yeah exactly no it's uh, i mean our, our insurance here though does go through uh, uh it's all as one so right. the eparchy pays insurance uh that again the churches pay the eparchy the eparchy pays all the insurance for all the churches um so everyone is covered uh you know that's a blanket insurance, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's actually a, a, an ecclesial, like a church insurance company that exists. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's... I don't know. I guess if something were to get destroyed or whatever, uh, I mean, if it's repairable, yeah, you'll get the money back to to put in those repairs or whatever. Uh, if it's completely destroyed, um, I don't know if, if, if a community would rebuild ever, but... Uh, uh, it'd yeah, be I tough. Mean, I don't know. What it would be. Uh, it'd yeah. be tough. I mean, you'd be relying on the probably the locals to come, and you wouldn't want to be bringing out. Oh, who knows? Maybe the immigrants could come over, bring a, a, a build a few churches. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, the, the thing job. is, though, is I. Yeah, and some of these some of these places, though, I mean, they are very rural. Um, mm. I mean, even like at least I'm in a hub, and the other parishes are are in some you know town of some sort. Uh, but there's some parishes that don't really even belong to a town. Uh, they belong to an, an, an area, you know, it's, they're surrounded by farm and, and houses, you know, there's no, uh, you have to come to my town to get your groceries or whatever, you know? So right. it's, uh, um, you know, it's interesting in that sense because it is, it, 
hundred years ago they were built because there were farms around there that communities existed. Um, some of them developed into towns, some of them didn't. Uh, but those that didn't, they, they the churches remained and they were somewhat active. But again, most of those people there, you can drive to the next town to go to your church. So, yeah. Um, yeah. kids went to school. Knows, the machines got bigger, so less people on the farms, less people in towns, and yeah, and then exactly. went to go exactly. teach English overseas instead. Right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who would do that? <laughs> uh, who crazy people? But uh, so how, how much does a priest make per year? Can you give us a ballpark? Is there a difference, like wages for a priest? Like, there's like a starting wage, uh, and then like um, a, a sort of an upper limit. Uh, so it again, it depends. Uh, some <laughs> some places, some eparchies or dioceses might have that. Um, ours, I, I don't believe, has that. Mm. Uh, I will tell you though that there is not a lot of money in the priesthood. Um, <laughs> but at the same at the same time, though, a lot of things get covered. I yeah. mean, I, I'm living in a house that I did not have to buy. I'm not paying rent in a house. Uh, you know, I, I do get a, a uh, travel allowance or whatever, so that uh, you know it goes towards. Well, nowadays it doesn't go towards much, but uh, you know it goes towards gas or insurance or repairs or whatever um, things like that and stuff like that. So. I mean, there are a lot of kind of perks to it that kind of balance out. So you may well, not be. It is making, your job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You may not be making a nice, uh, solid six figures, but at the same time, I have I don't have expenses that a lot of other people do have. You know, so um, so like I said, it, it balances out. But it's uh, yeah, it, it's right now. I'm I'm happy where I am with that. Uh, uh, would I like to make more? I'm I'm sure everyone will always like to make more money, but uh, uh, right now, I mean, especially especially being in, in a pandemic and being out where I am in such a rural area, uh, I, I don't I don't need much. You know, I don't need a lot more. Um, so how does a you know, priest make have... more money? Sorry. How does a priest make more money? Um, like when they want to. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> I, well, if you said if you'd like to make more money, it's like, well, are you wishing for more people to oh. die for the funeral service, or more people to be born, or a combination? No, no, I mean, no, no. I'm saying how does like, this one like, <laughs> I'm saying like, like if my wage was higher, like I, right. I'm saying if if uh, if the wage was actually increased, I, I, you know, I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure everyone would love for a wage increase, but uh, uh, but I mean that is that's another thing. I mean, you you do earn a lot of stuff from, from funerals, weddings, baptisms, whatever, yeah. uh, uh, liturgy intentions, you know, there's a stipend for that. And so, so you, you do, like I said, you, you get your wage, but then you also get this added on and you get this covered. And, and so, so like I said, it, it kind of does balance out at, at some point, you know, uh, but still, I'm not, I'm not living a luxurious life. I'm not impoverished here and, and having nothing, but, uh, uh, but it no, everything's good. So now, are you supposed to? I mean, because uh, isn't it? Uh, well, I guess it's being a monk that you have you take the vow of um, perpetual poverty. Um, but like, as right. a priest, I don't, I, I don't think you are. Like, you don't. It's not part of your your uh, job description. Correct. Basically. So, so, so monks are the ones who who tip, typically take their their vow of poverty and stuff like that. Um, regular priests like myself, uh, we we don't take vows. Um, but we are encouraged to to uh, how would I say it? 
to live a simple, simpler life, you know? Um, okay. Well, no, because, because I mean, we're, we're called to be like Christ and, and Christ yeah. was not someone who lived in a mansion and had the finest clothing and everything like that. Like we're, we should be like who our leader is, you know? And uh, uh, so, I mean, does it say we shouldn't have nice things? Well, no, but maybe we don't need top of the line car or top of the line, this or whatever, you know? So, um, so yeah, it, uh, like again, I'm not. So I don't, don't if, go out spending tons of stuff. <laughs> if you were to live in a community wherein the people around you, your your uh, congregation, uh, your parishioners were all making eight figures and they all had Lamborghinis, would you be obligated to have a Lamborghini? Mm, I, well, I would never. <laughs> but no, I, I I don't I don't think so. Um, I mean. Uh, for me, if it were just kind of my call and things, I would say uh, at the minimal, I would want to at least appear proper. You right. know, I don't want to be wearing worn out clothes or, 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 you know, dirty clothes or whatever, something like that. I would want to look professional, you know, and, uh, but at the same time, I would not want to be like, you know, okay, let me just pull out this wad of cash and, and pay for my car. You know, like, right. I, I would never want to do that. You know, I would never be wanting to 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 flash things like that. But uh, but like I said, I think my minimum would be I would want to look presentable and and at least have stuff that I could do my job on. You know, so like for example, <laughs> I've got two cell phones. One there is a go. parish phone. <laughs> one is what is my personal phone. But uh, you know, I'm not paying for that uh whatever multi thousand dollar iphone top of the line iphone thing, 12 know? iphone 12 with yeah the, with the purple I, design I, yeah iphone 12 plus 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 or whatever I'm, yeah. I'm not you know i don't own that uh uh you know i do have what i'm on right now i have a, a good macbook pro a new one that i actually just got uh but it's something that i use all the time you know especially right now i'm doing zoom meetings on it i'm doing um uh video editing as i do video presentations and stuff on it uh you know, I write homilies, I do research on it and stuff. So, you know, I, I want something that works and that's reliable. So, I mean, you know, again, kind of you spend money where you need to, but you, I don't go over the top of things. That's a tool of the so. trade now, the tool of modern trade, I would say. I mean, it's one of those things that you it, can't, well, exactly. you can't not have, yeah. you can't not have a computer, even a, a priest. I don't <laughs> think anyone be, would begrudge a priest, a, a computer and a cell phone. Car, right, and exactly. what, what type of car? I mean, should be safe, obviously, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah. How much do you? Well, and that's the thing. I mean, especially out here, my car. I mean, I'm in my car all the time because I have to travel at least half an hour to all my other parishes, uh, or sorry, maximum half hour to all my other parishes. And uh, sometimes I'm going down gravel roads and, oh, and yeah. dirt roads and stuff like this. Like, you got to have something that's a going to get through that stuff. And, and, it, and yeah, it's going to be safe. You know, uh, if it's falling apart, if it's a little car, it, excuse me, you're always going to be stuck in, you know, that's, <laughs> you don't want Then you become a liability to the community. And it's just, no, you don't want to be exactly. doing that. Where's father today? Oh, he got stuck in the ditch again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> at the cancel another liturgy, you know, but, but yeah, no, it's, uh, but like, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you need, you need kind of the, your basics so that you can, you can at least do your your ministry and stuff like that so so then wait a minute of all those nice things and whatnot uh just before we uh uh, started today um you were asking about what you should wear and i'm like well you whatever (laughs) 
And then you said something like, you don't own a collar. And I immediately make, wait a minute, isn't that like part of the the whole getup? I mean, isn't that a business expense the church should provide? Or am I not seeing this properly? So, so uh, there's there'll be a little history lesson here. So, <laughs> okay, um, our in our church, in our church, in our Eastern Ukrainian Catholic Church or whatever, um, typically, well, and even if you go back in history, most guys, the collar is a, is a recent kind of uh, invention. Um, and typically what was associated with the priest was the cassock or, you know, right. the Ukrainian, the pidriasa. And, and so um, that should be your kind of your minimum. The, the collar... I used to know the history of it, kind of where it came in, but it, it was more, um, you know, it's definitely a Roman Catholic thing that most Roman Catholic priests or deacons will have. Um, and then other, you know, Anglicans and other kind of Protestant churches and stuff like this, the color is very common there. But in the East, in the Orthodox Church and stuff, yeah, some of them still wear collars, but it, it's it's the cassock that is, is very common. Uh, and so for me, I, I mean, I don't always like tight stuffy things so i uh you know i i'll wear i'll wear my cassock you know done up and stuff but i i just there's no rule that says i have to wear one or or even own one so uh i i don't have one i actually i shouldn't say i don't have one i actually do have one uh there was one gifted to me it was a ukrainian one with the with the ukrainian embroidery right um but like i said i ha- i haven't worn it yet and uh like I said, unless I'm I'm told that I have to wear it, but for me, if I'm somewhere where I'm representing the church or doing my job or ministry, I'm going to put on my cassock and and that'll be my my formal dress. Right. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I'm I'm a dad. I'm I have a family. I I want to be casual when I want to be casual and, and stuff like that. So it's uh, like I said, there there's no rules saying that I have to. So I'm I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not in any rush to to get one or start wearing one. So. Are they are they very expensive? Like, is there like a church catalog you can like pick out the different type of collar? <laughs> uh, they're they're not very expensive. Um, there are places. There's, uh, I mean, there's Roman Catholic places here in Canada that sell them. Uh, in Ukraine, you can go to some of the churches. Uh, they have a sometimes a store that will sell them. Uh, they're they're not expensive, especially in Ukraine. In Ukraine, they are very inexpensive. They do come. You can get them in, in many colors. Uh, really? I, I have a friend actually. What, oh yeah, they're, they're the not colors? always just black. Well, okay. there's often. Uh, I've seen navy blue. I've seen light blue. Um, nowadays, they do. They do tend to get a little more. Uh, not so much in, in the Catholic Church, I would say, but in 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 you know evangelical or Ang- or Anglican churches or whatever. Sometimes uh, younger priests or, or pastors or whatever might want to have you know, maybe a, a pink shirt or a purple shirt or something like that. So there's, it would be just like any guy wearing any other shirt, you know, right. It's just adding a color to it nowadays. I have a friend who, who got a shirt in Ukraine and um, it, it's not like a regular colored shirt. It's actually like a polo shirt. Um, and so it's got like, kind of like that, uh, you know, cotton kind of feel and he can undo it to look like a polo shirt or he can, you know, button it up and put his collar in and, and call it a day. So, uh, <laughs> which if I were needing one, I would probably go with that because, you know, like I said, I, I like to be it's comfortable and stuff. And, and 
Exactly. Exactly. So now can anyone but, uh, buy these or do you need like a, a special, cause I know like Manitoba teachers, they have that card that gets them a discount or like, I mean, there's like yeah. certain drugs you can't <laughs> buy. Right. So as a priest, you, you have to right. flash a certain, yeah, I'm part of the priesthood. No, believe it or not. Uh, I think most places you can do, anyone could buy it. I actually had someone ask me that once, uh, maybe about a year ago. I think someone was, uh, they're not Catholic or anything and they got their, their license to, to, to marry people. And uh, they were doing someone's wedding. They wanted to, to do the look. So they were looking <laughs> to see where they could buy a collar because they were uh, an ordained minister. And, and I said, well, like, <laughs> I'm sure you could probably just go on Amazon and find it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's anyone could buy it. So, well, that's, well, I'm probably because justice, justice of the peace, right? Cause in Canada you can be, yeah. Uh, given the legal right to marry, right. Some, join someone in partnership, but I mean, yeah. what, the Catholic Church does the Catholic Church recognize those those uh, marriages? Uh, not, no, not really, no, not not they formally. Will... I mean, it's if you met them on yeah. the street, they wouldn't be throwing holy water at them. But I mean, right, in terms yeah, of they will, church political recognize them in a relationship, and they would they would try and. and and encouraged that if they were wanting to be, you know, fully part of the church, that they would have to uh, get married again, you know, a, right. as a church wedding. So, yeah. Is there is there a lot of that though? I mean, like where people are not joining the church but becoming either justice of the pieces, or they're getting married through other other just the, the government office downtown. Basically, is is that happening more and more? Yeah, I would I would say that is happening a lot. Um, even. Uh, not not necessarily like my own personal friends, but people that I know of my kind of generation, give or take a few years here and there, um, that is happening more and more. Even people that I know, you know, maybe grew up in the church their whole lives and, and they're, they're just opting out. Um, sometimes it's a result of, you know, maybe the, the other half of that relationship uh, mm-hmm. that that call is being made. Um, but I mean, it's also just, I think people are kind of moving away from the church more and more, which unfortunately is happening, but um, uh, yeah. The, the it, church has been getting a bad rep though. The mass media has been, for sure. Uh, and I would, exactly. I would almost lump that in together. I don't want to say the word Trump here because then all of a sudden people be like, oh, you see, it's the same. It's not. I mean, it, the mass yeah. media has, ha, presents a very uh, one-sided view of the church. Um, and right. I was actually, I was going to ask you about this because like in the, in the modern day, we do see more people, less people in church, but you're saying in Europe, these churches are still very active. I mean, is the church, <laughs> well, is the church still relevant? I mean, is it, uh, as a, as a place uh, to go, do you have to go there every, not even every Sunday, but I mean, is it one of these things where, is it more of a faith? Is it a personal choice? Is it? something right. else so so there's again my, my answer is going to be it depends <laughs> where you are who you ask um i mean even if you go to places in europe uh if you compare them to north america yes for sure they are full churches yeah but even if you look kind of at a shift in europe itself you will see that it is dropping mm-hmm. so maybe instead of uh you know a church of 2,000 people, they've only got 1,000 people now. Whereas for us, instead of 500, it's only 100. Yeah. So there's there's a much 
bigger difference. You can see it physically. Um, so that's what I'm saying. Like it, it doesn't look like it's dropping in Europe, but I know it is. Uh, um, and and even I, one of my classes in university in, in Ottawa, uh, we kind of talked about this. Uh, this this shift of Christianity of um, you know for for centuries. Where did all the popes come from? Where did all the priests come from? They came from Rome. They came from Italy. Uh, kind of that that area there in general, and and now. I mean, even looking at our current Pope, where is he from? He's from South America. Right. Uh, where uh, there is, I couldn't, I couldn't, it blew my mind. There is a place in somewhere in Africa. They have a seminary with like something like 2000 seminarians or something like this. It's crazy amount. And there's still a shortage of priests. And they have where? that many can. <laughs> Somewhere in Africa, I'd have to look find the book that I, I we read it in and stuff. But it it it's you know mind blowing that that is a shortage of priests because yeah. <laughs> the shift has come has gone as we we noticed it came from kind of northern Europe or whatever and it's slowly shifting down. So now it's Africa, the the South Americas, you know, uh, where this faith is kind of exploding again. Um, and so, I mean, even in, in North American stuff, you see it dropping in stuff. Uh, it, it's actually a geographical kind of shift. And, um, and I said, well, if you've got 2000 priests and you're, you're short, well, then uh, you should come to Canada and see that we have like <laughs> 10 seminarians and we're, we're actually doing okay. But, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, but it, that's the thing is that um the shift in 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 their faith has has gone from a uh, again you look at europe you look at uh you know some of the kind of like the scandinavian countries and stuff where where faith is there but it's also you know the the church and state thing is very much being separated i mean i don't think you can go anywhere now where there is heavy church and state you know close oh, yeah. it's, it's not PC anymore exactly everything is separated and um and because of that and and it's just I mean, worldviews everywhere are changing uh even and I, I don't really want to get into it but i mean even just uh you know <laughs> gender stuff and identities and stuff like that that is having a huge impact um and and again if uh and i don't want to get into that but <laughs> Well, and you know, you know, a church that that turns people away, quote unquote, that's going to turn people away, and they're not going to be wanting to come in. And uh, and I'm not saying that they, the the teachings have to change, uh, but there has to be a mentality switch. You know, um, there has to be some kind of acceptance that is going to draw people in. And until that happens, yeah, things are still going to keep dropping. And, right. And see, I, I guess where I would go with this is that, is it the, is it the church as the organization, the building that, that the image that's conjured up in mind, or is it the faith that has dissipated, that's disappearing? I know like numbers are down in churches, but are people not yeah. believing in God, in a God, in the God? I mean, is, or is it like, that we've, has humanity moved on to the next higher evolution of whatever we were going to evolve to? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you know that, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I personally think a lot of it comes with a lack of education. On, um, in what way? What, what do you mean by lack of education? Uh, lack of education in terms of 
what the church is, what we teach, what we are, you know, um, I, I recently, you know, I had, I've had people ask me this question kind of in a different way before. And, and even just my experiences out here is, is that years ago, decades ago, we had this kind of mentality that people, priests would teach, well, you got to go to church or you're going to hell, or you got to <laughs> do this or you're going to hell. You got to, right. you know, yeah, yeah. It was that, that was the teaching message. Yep, exactly. And, and, you know, well, you got to go to church every Sunday. Well, why? Because you got to go to church. Well, why? There was no answer. There was no, uh, you know, and I'm going to say, you know, our, our parents' generations and so forth, they just did because that's what you did. Yes. There was no explanation why there was no teaching why. Um, and, and even the things that you did do, there was no, no one understood the liturgy. You just did the liturgy, you know? And, and so I think that's that, like that kind of education is needs to shift. And so someone, like I said, someone was asking me about this and I said, yeah, I don't do doom and gloom. I will say, yes, there are, there are punishments or whatever for, for there, there's a uh, result for doing bad things or whatever. But uh, my main focus is, is love. I want to preach love. And, and that we have to, I mean, at baptism, we put on Christ. And what is Christ? Christ is love. God is love. And, uh, you know, we have to learn to love everyone and, and kind of all get along and, and stuff like that. And then, like I said, I'm not saying we have to change our, our core dogma or teachings that have been there for centuries, but... Uh, the the focus of how we say it or what we teach has to shift. Um, you know, it has to go away from that. You done bad. You're going. You're going bad. You know, you have to <laughs> do. You just have. Yeah, the the whole kind of mentality just has to shift of of what faith is. And and there are, you know, there are some faiths. There are some churches that that do that. Um, you know, I I went to a Mennonite school, a Mennonite high school. And, um, you know, they did a lot of mission work that I was, and I was part of it. Uh, and, and their, their kind of outreach and their whole outlook on, on society and life, uh, was exactly that doing stuff for others, loving others, serving others. And, and you know what their churches, I don't know if exactly they're growing or not, but they're not exactly shrinking as small as some of our own churches are. And I think that's because of their mentality of it. They're they they're here to serve and, and to serve our Lord and serve people and love them. And, and if we can all do that, then I think yeah, we could get people back in and and stuff like that. So that's that's what I'm saying. It, it comes with a certain type of education of what is our faith. Yeah, and what I was the media hasn't played favorites to the uh, like the Christian church in the Western world has received a very bad rep and there's any number of stories. Uh, and I know I was on Twitter just recently and the feedback I got was just like, it was negative. I'm going, is this, yeah. that's one part of it. And you can't hold the actions of one or two or a few against the whole thing. And it's a, it's like, yeah. blame. I, I know that's what companies do. That's what social media does that, you know, and you said it at the beginning, you know, you know, you, there's always so much you could say before, like as in this coronavirus, like if all of a sudden the Rossburn church was like, well, we're going to hold in face church uh, meetings and everything. 
the church yeah. would be like, what's this guy doing? You know, so there is sort of a, yeah, an organizational exactly. responsibility to hold the line sort of thing. But uh, right. the, the media representation of church has been negative for a very long time. I don't... I wonder if that's more just because you know some some art artists in Hollywood had a bad experience, and maybe yeah, yeah. maybe the devil and metal sells more than <laughs> you know love everybody. Uh, yeah, but it, it really sounds like you're like you said, just love everybody. Whenever I describe like the idea of the church, I'm like, yeah, it's being nice to each other. <laughs> Doesn't sound like a very yeah. bad idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and it sounds like you know what most business people who are part of successful businesses treat your customers well. I mean, serve them well. It, it, it sounds yeah, like a exactly. typical business, basically. Yeah, uh, and 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 I mean, even in that kind of sense too. I mean, even just our own communities is like, you know, not just okay, we want to serve the poor, we want to help those who need help or whatever, but our own communities, we need to get along too. We need to love our own people that sit next to us in the pew and, uh, you know, welcome them into the church or if someone new comes into the church, welcome them. Don't just be like, oh, who are you? Where are you from? You know, like, you don't belong <laughs> here. You're not one of us. Like, we got to get past that. You know, we have to uh, really become a, a community that's one and that gets along with each other. And I know there's going to be whatever, there's going to be differences here and there. There might be the odd fight, but uh, you know, sometimes I've seen where there's been like decade long divides in, in communities and it's like, no, you got to get past that. You got to get back on, on track because that even that visual, if someone comes in and sees, Oh, well, if they can't even get along, then why am I here? Like, I don't want to be part yeah. of this, you know? even that will affect others, you know? So one question yeah. I get, um, and I get, this is like my mom would even sort of say, Stephen, this is why you aren't, uh, the, she has a view of what I am as a Catholic now. And I think I, I identify okay. as a little bit differently, <laughs> basically since I don't go to church very regularly, I mean, I'm not part of the church. Uh, and that's, right. that would be your right. sort of old world mentality. I, I know mom, you're still young at heart. That's fantastic. I love you. Uh, <laughs> but the, like when I talk to people here in China and when I walk, like when I meet other people traveling, um, the, the, there's two things there. Like one, you said about the the knowing about the service, like understanding what's going on over there. Right. As a traveler, yeah. we go to different ceremonies all the time and we sort of go, oh, look at what they're doing. But when you are exposed to the Catholic church service all the time, you sort of lose the view that it is actually a, a special service. And it's mm -hmm. very similar to a Buddhist service or Islamic service. And if you don't understand what they're doing, yeah, you're going to be very, like, lost, basically. Yeah. But then yeah. also with that, when I hear, and one of my neighbors is Christian, she says, like, yeah, I, I go to church. I'm like, what? Why? And I'm like, you have a master's degree, you're educated, you speak English, which means she is educated, she's lived overseas. I'm like, how can anyone in this modern day and age believe a lot of the teachings that the Bible puts forth and sort of like that doom and gloom aspect that you were talking about, yeah. that would, yeah. that's what I hear a lot of like where how in the age of science, how could anyone be become Christian, become a priest, become, uh, why would you go trust the church when we can trust science instead? Right. And, uh, for me, I mean, yes, there there is a lot of that, and uh, I mean, the important thing too is that 
the church can still get along with science is is one important thing. Um, I mean, yes, we 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 believe in doctors, we we believe in modern medicine and stuff like this. You know, uh, we all use it and stuff like that. Like we we definitely recognize science. I mean, science is still a thing from God. You know, um, but at the same time, there's still so much though that uh, I mean, for me. Uh, there's stuff that science can't explain, and um, and and I don't I don't have to be a scientist to know that there's stuff that I can't explain with science, you know, and and there's no other thing that I would use other than what that it's God, you know, or or sometimes even just this feeling, you know, like I mentioned earlier about being out here. Uh, there, there's so much beauty in the nature and stuff like this, and and you know, you, you take a step out into a completely quiet place, surrounded just by crickets and birds and stuff like this that you know that's the only sound you can hear there I, I i can't help but feeling kind of in a presence of god because of that beauty that natural beauty and uh you know it, it's things like that um uh one one year at uh well at holy eucharist in winnipeg i remember having this feeling of like how how small i felt but how <laughs> important i felt at the same time i think it was i think it was christmas eve and i remember sitting on the altar or like on the pew there and and whoever was was preaching their homily uh, it was late at night i started daydreaming a little bit at you know the icons and stuff and i remember just looking up into the dome of the church and it's not that high of a church or that high of a dome but i just remember feeling like that dome was like the hugest thing the tallest thing and i was like this little little important thing sitting at the bottom of it you know and and you know i mean i can't even fully explain it but it just you could feel god's presence there you know you felt him working there somehow um and like i said there, there's stuff that uh uh science can't explain you know um what one of the things i've heard recently was about uh you know in the old testament we had all these prophecies and all the prophets that that brought them and stuff like this and, and a lot of it had to do centered around christ himself and someone actually went through everything and calculated everything out and said you know the odds of all of those prophecies being told and everything all coming true were astronomical like no way in any world would that have all come into perfect alignment uh you know if somebody if you'd ask someone to do like the odds on it like no way that could have all happened and i mean that thing alone was like you think about it you're like wow like yeah <laughs> like there was hundreds of prophecies and all these things and then it all came to happen and every single one of them were, were executed or whatever and it's like the odds of all those coming into play, I don't know. There's got to be something else that works there, you know? So then would um, most people, like most people that you know in the seminary, are they of the, the view that the Bible, whatever it says, like in terms of the prophecies, and then they happened? Uh, because I'll, I approach the Bible whenever I hear someone reading the Bible. Um, right. It's like you have to take it in historical context. You have to understand that it went through generations of copying and there was errors all over the yeah. place. There are books yeah. that weren't included in the Bible as we know it, and that goes back mm -hmm. to politics that you mentioned before. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, you're talking about an organization that basically has formed over the last couple thousand millennia, and yeah. but very much is steeped in the 
the, the cultures of like going back into the Jewish tradition, which would sort of mm-hmm. were, you know, a lot of the whole history of the Western uh, religious faith that we know it today right. is it goes on for thousands of years. I mean, I look at it that way and go, well, is the prophecy, first of all, I wonder if they got it right the first time or was it the second draft that they got it right? Which sort of like, <laughs> then is it a prophecy? Uh, but then yeah, also yeah. with that, you go, okay, is it just because that didn't happen or is it the idea, someone had the idea of whatever prophecy and then a right. student of these prophecies tried to make it happen. Right. Yeah. 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 And uh, I mean, we, we definitely know, I mean, we've, we all do uh, biblical studies of, of, of sorts throughout our time in, in seminary and stuff like that. And, and yeah, we, we know that, uh, you know, especially when you look at the, the epistles, you know, as much as they say they were all written by Paul or, or even oh. the Gospels were all written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right. Uh, not necessarily 100% true. Or maybe it was uh, someone dictating it, but someone else was writing it. And and so there, there are, we know that there are, uh, it, it's not perfect. And, it, and I would say we're not of the sense that, uh, you know, here's the Bible and it is completely 100% true word. And that is what we have to follow. We know that there's it written by man. Yes, we believe that it was, you know, guided by by God and by the Holy Spirit and things like that. Uh, but you're right, you know, there's there can be discrepancies here and there and differences and um, and I mean, even if you go by translation, translations can, oh. can really affect because <laughs> most know? people read it in English and it wasn't written in English. Exactly. And even the English, there's, there's, there's good English and then there's bad English translations, you know? And, and so if you're, depending what you're reading, I mean, yeah, you could have total different interpretations of that. Um, but it, it, it's, uh, I would say, you know, you have to know what you're doing and how you're doing, which is one of the things I mean, they teach us. They, I had one, one uh, prof that uh, he did all the kind of the New Testament stuff, uh, you know, all the New Testament books and, and whatnot. And, and I will admit, I did terrible in his classes, but I have learned, <laughs> but I learned the most and remember the most from his classes because his, his main focus was not that I memorized all these different things, but that it was, I knew how to... I don't want to say how to look things up, but how to use those things properly. So, you know, especially, you know, using context, for example, one of my uh, favorite homilies, I mean, I haven't really done the full cycle quite yet of, of all the liturgy or all the readings and stuff, but one of my favorite ones that I've now preached on a couple of times um, is the, the story of the, the hemorrhaging woman who who reaches out and t- touches just the the edge of Jesus's cloak and is healed, and and I love preaching about that because I put it into that historical context, and I say, look, this wasn't just about a woman touching uh, Jesus's cloak and being healed, you know, like this woman, she uh, in 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 Jewish culture, she was unclean, and so she shouldn't have been touching a anyone, um, because then they would have all had to gone and been you know, uh, rightfully cleansed and stuff like this. Uh, she was also a woman touching a man's cloak, which 
she was not married to and had no relation to so she shouldn't have been doing that either and you know she was risking everything she could have been put to death for what she was doing and 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 so and then that's why christ is like well your faith has healed you your faith in doing this your courage in doing this has healed you and and so i love getting to put it into that context of like well, we have to understand why this story is important and what the significance of it is. It's not just a woman to reaching out. There's, there is a big hurdle for her to do this. She had to have a lot of courage to do this. And, and I mean, that's the same thing. Even the, you know, we look at the epistles, a lot of people uh, will say, well, this doesn't apply to us. We don't worry about circumcision anymore and all these other things and stuff like this. And it's like, so why do we, why do we still, well, because there is, you can, interpret it into a modern context sometimes and you can the lesson the context may be different but yeah. the lesson is still there you know there is still something that we can learn from from the gospels and the epistles the old testament yeah that gets a little more confusing because that's there's not there's not well i don't want to like there's not necessarily <laughs> lessons there because sometimes they are just stories you know if you if you ever go through some of the 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 books and stuff there's sometimes where there's just pages of, of whatever and you're like why is this even in here you know like the uh, isn't um, it the lineage that they go through and you're going uh, do we need this yeah yeah exactly you know there, there there's some stuff that really you know you're like okay well why is this there um but there was an importance at the time and and so it's still there but uh but yeah like i said there's there's still lots that we can learn from it even if it's not a hundred percent whatever you know um i mean even even the uh the story of creation okay there's those who say yes it was exactly seven days you know 24 hour days <coughs> yeah well maybe or maybe it was seven days of some other time i mean when was time invented? You know, how can you measure that? And how can we be sure of that for sure? And things like that. So, I mean, yeah. It, it sounds though that you are much more of a modern product of uh, the, the times than some of the teachings that we were, that we grew up with. And I, cause I remember like yeah. uh, in my early, early years, it was like, you just didn't question what the, what the priest said. It was like, right. that was sort of like, he is a man of God. He is a man of faith. Uh, you don't do, that's the authority. You don't confront authority yeah. like that, which right. I don't know. You don't see that. Good luck with trying not to confront authority these days. Uh, I mean, exactly, being in yeah. a position of authority and not being confronted. I mean, social yeah. media has basically all but the, the internet has basically taken down those those barriers, yeah. which I I, yeah. I think is a good thing. Uh, it does. Uh, you said that you had a course in how to deal with communication, like how to deal with certain circumstances. Uh, well, well, we've had like, uh, like I said, not necessarily a course, but uh, in our in our rector's class, like the in-house ones, uh, we've had some presenters that have come in to to kind of give us like a we would do sometimes a day day long session or something like that, you know, where uh, they were kind of an expert in the field or whatever. So they would talk to us about, uh, like I said, there was one that we had. Um, he he was a, an actual counselor and said okay well like yeah you're gonna get people that come to you with suicidal thoughts or marital problems or uh whatever this disorder that disorder whatever and and you know how do you deal with that 
you know, how do you, how do you handle those situations and things like that? And how, <laughs> what don't you say in those circumstances, you know? <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so there's, there's things like that of, of how to, how to deal with, you know, different reality, especially nowadays. I mean, our days, our world is full of uh, mental health issues. Um, and even just the idea of mental health is, is such a prominent thing in our society now. Um, I mean, and, and priests, hundred years ago, priests today don't have that training. Um, even myself, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm worried. I'm thankful that I'm kind of in, in small town, but you know, I'm worried if I go to a big city or something like that, I'm going to be sitting there in confession or something one day, I'm going to be caught off guard and I'm not going to know what to say, what to do. Uh, you know, we, we, one, one important thing that we, we were taught is that, uh, when it is something serious, uh, because we aren't allowed because of the seal of confession, uh, to kind of discuss it outside of that, uh, you know, is to encourage people. Okay. Can you, can you come repeat this to me? after we're done here outside of outside of confession you know like if, it, if it's someone who, who's should have professional help because of their they're threatening their life or something like that um yeah you know you have to kind of find your way around that so that you can get out of that confessional and, and maybe phone 911 or phone their parent or, or something like that you know uh or so that you can even just discuss it with them outside of the confessional so it's so how do priests deal with that with uh, in terms of because you're going to hear a lot of shit in your life man i mean <laughs> oh you're confessional yeah. <laughs> i mean that's you're going to hear stuff that most people like google wouldn't even be able google would flag most of that stuff probably yeah. um and you have to deal with it as a human being and that this is sort of what i i see uh, a, a large role of the church uh the, the people who run the church not the church as a, a massive organization but the people behind the right. church that they will be that human face for issues that people can't deal with or don't want to be tracked on on google i mean it's going to be human counseling in in, in a way i mean how yeah. does a priest deal with that sort of you know exposure to what humans do um it it can be it can definitely be hard for sure. Um, I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm new at this. I've only been doing it a few months. <laughs> My exposure to those things have not been as great as they could be. Uh, but I know that but you've had, have you've had, had encounters with people who like, you're not just, they didn't throw you into the deep end. I mean, you've had counseling from right. other people who've been through this, been in the game for a yeah. while. Yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, okay, again, the seal of confession. So kind of how you have to deal with that is you kind of just got to in one year and out the other, you know, you kind of just take it for the moment of what it's worth. And then as soon as you walk out, it's gone and, and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, you do need to to know how to deal with that because I mean, even, even a counselor, a counselor is the same thing, you know, uh, you got your, your doctor patient confidentiality and stuff like that you need to be able to somehow unload that yourselves, you know, uh, you know, for us, we can't exactly talk about it. Um, we can't share it. Um, but maybe sometimes there's, there's a roundabout way that you can do that. Or sometimes it's just for me, I love my Netflix. <laughs> and so sometimes it's like, uh, 
the end of the day, I, I just need to turn on Netflix and watch a comedy or whatever, something that is, is you know, takes no brain power or anything like that to just kind of filter everything out. Or, or you know, I actually, I love biking. I actually just picked up a, a brand new bike yesterday because I haven't had one in probably 15 years. And, uh, uh, you know, so I, I plan to go out and do a lot of biking in the area and stuff to just uh, let loose type of thing. Um even even so i do my typical schedule on a sunday is is three sundays or sorry three liturgies in a sunday right and uh and so i my sundays are actually like a full eight hours because i often start around 8 8 30 and i'm not back home till 4 4 30 and uh so but often especially when i'm uh russell is the furthest there it's about a half hour 20 20 30 minutes back home and I will just then, especially in the summer now coming out, I'll like open windows, I'll turn on oh, the AC, yeah. whatever. I will crank the radio, some music on and stuff. And and I mean, you might sometimes see me just either drumming along or singing at the top of my lungs in my car as I'm, as I'm flying down the highway. You know, again, that is my like, okay, I've just had this solid eight hours of, of being with people, of praying uh, sometimes hearing confessions in those times, uh, having to preach and everything. And it's like, okay, now I just need to like <laughs> click, turn off my brain <laughs> for a moment and, and just like relax and breathe, you know? And so, so things like that are, are very important. Um, you know, we've, we, we kind of talked about that actually in <laughs> seminaries that sometimes things like that, they can have negative impacts, you know, uh, a priest could either turn to, to smoking or drinking or whatever, and that's how they cope with things. And, Which is uh, sort of the stories of the old days. I mean, you know, why yeah. is father still drinking? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot that goes on in in, in, in your day to day stuff. Hearing confessions and stuff can be can be very hard um, and, and stuff like that. So it can be difficult, and and you need that you need that healthy release. You need that healthy way of dealing with those things. Because uh, if you don't, then yeah, it, it's going to have a negative impact on you for sure. So then, okay, you've just heard confessions and it, being with eight hours, uh, being with people for eight hours, I'm not a priest. I can't do that. I just, I, <laughs> as a, a human, eight hours of being with people and at all talking with any sort of brain power, I'm like, ah, it sounds too, I'm trying to do less with people. I'm not going to lie. I'm trying to be a bit more, <laughs> you know, let yeah. the service industry be for the younger crowd. Uh, I'll be the cranky <laughs> old man. Uh, but, um, in terms of like, so you hear confession, you've had your eight hours of work, then what comedies do you laugh at? And what music are you listening to on the way home? Uh, well, for me, for music, uh, I mean, I have a very wide range of, of, um, kind of genre preferences. Um, I, you know, I, I, I grew up listening to a lot of classic rock and stuff like that. Uh, so, so sometimes that is, is great. And, you know, I, I love Genesis, uh, the band, you know, Phil Collins and everything. And, and so there, there's great music in there. Um, I do have, I have uh, satellite radio in the cars. So, uh, I mean, I can, I basically can have my pick if I want, um, a, a popular one for me. And, and I know whatever, some people might judge me or whatever, but, um, the, the Pitbull station is, is one of my favorites, the rapper yeah well yeah yeah the, the the pop artist and stuff because uh, he 
I mean, it's not just his music, but um, I mean, sometimes you get a DJ on there that does like an hour long mix or whatever. Right. And for me, I just, I don't, I don't listen to lyrics all the time. You know, it's usually just. Oh, come on. Yeah. Mr. International. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you don't know. (laughs) But, you know, it's like sometimes I just love the the beat, the music, and it just, whatever. Like I said, you'll see me drumming or, or whatever along the way. And. Uh, or bop and dancing, whatever. And it, it's uh, stuff that just makes me move. I, I love music. I love dancing. Um, so anything that kind of gets me going it, 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 like that is is going to be good for me. So it'd be more um, pop music or would it be more rock music? I mean, Well, pop and rock, you know, uh, like I said, uh, for me, like I said, when I said about Genesis, um, I, I grew up listening to a lot of that kind of stuff. My dad had, had, a, had a great ear for music and stuff. And, and I noticed the, the kind of stuff that we both liked a lot was um, wasn't necessarily your regular songs, but like stuff that had, uh, well, in that day, a lot of synthesizer stuff or, or symphonic kind of uh, accompaniment and stuff like that. So um, like there, there's, you know, especially Genesis, they were very big into the synthesizers at the time and, and stuff like that. And I, I'll listen to a, a 10 minute song that they've written and, and, you know, a whole range of emotions and everything. And you got slow parts and high and low and, and quick parts and, and dramatic parts and everything. And like, I love that kind of stuff. And I just love following the, 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 the whole kind of uh, story arc in a, in a song, you know, type of thing. So, um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'll I'll pretty much listen to anything. Uh, yeah. But the go-to's are very, Genesis very, very and very little that I'll switch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm I'm definitely both an old soul and a, and a new soul. So. so what what about comedies? Um, you said Netflix. I mean, that, what's what makes a priest laugh? Uh, <laughs> well, again, I, I I might get judged on, on what I I do enjoy or watch or whatever, but. Um, uh, right now on, on Netflix, I'm I'm going through uh, um, the the one comedy which is uh, it's called Superstore. Uh, basically, What's based this? in like a it, it, it's based in like a store like Walmart. It's called Cloud Nine. Okay. Um, but it, it's basically just based on the employees and their their day to day life. It's it's a really nothing show. There's no real uh, storylines to it at all or anything. It's just a regular <laughs> comedy. Um, but sometimes, you know, the jokes and the stuff that go on there are, are very funny. And, and like I said, it, it's a good release, but I also love my dramas. I, well, I will say my all time favorite comedy is mash. I, I grew up oh, wow. watching mash. Oh, geez. Yeah. I have, uh, I have them all on a thumb drive. I have all the DVDs. I have everything <laughs> now it's on Disney plus. So I, I don't even need all that stuff, but, uh, that is, is definitely one of my favorites. But, um, but like I said, I, I love drama and action too um uh i i binged watched um the blacklist on netflix okay um which which is a really good show it's uh a guy who was on the fbi top 10 wanted list and uh he basically turns himself in so that he can work with the fbi while oh, still carrying out his crimes <laughs> right. and stuff yeah um but that that was a very good show i recently did there's only well, they're on the third season now, but there there's only two seasons on Netflix of uh, New Amsterdam, uh, which is a, a medical show, uh, New Amsterdam Hospital, which is supposed to be the the oldest public hospital in the U.S. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, they get a new um, medical director who, who wants to kind of change the system, change how everything works. And his big tagline is, how can I help? And, and so he's, his first day, he fires an entire department of doctors and, uh, and things like this. And, and oh, it, it's great because his, he's trying to think outside the box and really change up the system. And, and I said, you know, that, that's kind of like me. I, I, not that I want to make big, big waves, but yeah, I was just going to say, are you trying to change the system? Uh Oh, (laughs) (laughs) no, but you know, I want to get people thinking outside the box and, and thinking of new ways to do things and stuff like that. So, so that was a, that was a good show. But like I said, comedies are a favorite. I did, uh, modern family was a good one. I did the whole series just recently. So, um, yeah, Not that I have all that much downtime, but it's... <laughs> well, it sounds like you do, because, like, I'm just thinking, like, I haven't... Well, I think the last uh, series I tried to get through was uh, Declassified. Uh, the oh, Black okay. Files Declassified. It was... Um, it's about this former CIA guy who talks about all, like, okay, UFOs yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. And I've always right. loved that stuff, the whole UFO uh, aliens and right, things like yeah. that. Um, which I was going to ask you another question related to God, and we'll get back to that. Um, but uh, so there was that that I watched last night. I was trying, no, two nights ago, I was trying to watch um, a movie called Druk, uh, Drunk, I guess would be what it's uh, translated oh. to. It's a filmed in Amsterdam, uh, rec- to, recommended to me by a, a guy I work with. And basically, it's a movie, that one's a movie uh, about uh, this history teacher high school teacher who basically is boring, like your typical boring high school teacher. Um, yeah. And then he goes out to a, a birthday party with uh, some colleagues and they're like, yeah, we've heard that uh, no one likes your class. Well, maybe why don't you just start drinking or something like that? And he starts drinking um, <laughs> and his life gets a lot better. Now, uh, the the whole premises of it is that the reason why they're drinking is that they can only drink during their work hours. So because they're trying to do an experiment of like from 8 a.m. Okay. to 8 p.m., they are they have to get their blood alcohol content up to 0.5 percent, uh, based on this idea. Like that's they have this philosophical conversation about why human, humans' blood level uh, alcohol level is that high, but uh, then it changes about halfway through. They they try to up the stakes, and that's where I was like, now nah, this is becoming just drudgery drinking this is i, I don't know I, I didn't finish watching the movie actually i, I fell asleep before i, I, I finished oh. it but uh uh that one and then the only other one i watched uh, i watch family guy on a regular basis that's my my go-to mm-hmm. humor i mean talking about what makes people yeah. laugh that show cracks me up that's my mash if there's a show nice. that i will always laugh at it's yeah. family guy uh and the only other documentary i've watched recently was trafficked but i mean these things have taken me weeks to get through i i I think I yeah. watch an hour of TV every couple of days. I don't know. It's not oh, very yeah. much. Recording yeah, I, three hour I, podcast doesn't help for um, media well, consumption. <laughs> hey, it's, it's something to do. <laughs> yeah, no, I mind. Like I said, it's not so much that I have an abundance of free time, but I'm, uh, especially if I do like, you know, half hours, uh, I could easily sit down for an hour and a half. You, you knock off three or, yeah. or even you sometimes even squeeze four in there, you know, really. And uh, next thing you know, you're already a quarter of the way through the season or whatever. So it's, uh, yeah, and it's it's mostly in the evenings, you know, yeah. um, time when the kids are in sleep and stuff like that. And, and like I said, with, with the way things are right now, I can't go anywhere. I can't do anything. 
Um, you know, especially we just got through winter. Uh, you can't now I'm hoping to do, you know, like I said, more some biking and stuff like that outdoors, but yeah. uh, especially the, during the winter, you know, there, there wasn't a lot to do out here and we didn't know anyone. We couldn't get together with anyone. So you end up turning to Netflix or, or something like that. <laughs> so, or three I, start doing puzzles. I, mean, I, I have, I have a puzzle here, so I did start doing puzzles, but, uh, uh my you know, sister does puzzles here. quite a bit. Uh, nice. Yeah. What, which, uh, yeah, which puzzle was, uh, are you working on right now? Uh, this one, do I still have it here? Yeah, I have the box right here. One sec. That is a gift and it was a memory of Ottawa. It was Parliament Hill. Oh, wow. So, okay. This is like a 2d. It's just a, a sheet like your normal. Yeah. Puzzle. It's yeah, not like it a, a 3d replication of, um, no, Parliament. I used to do those. I used to do those when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, which were, were lots of fun, but uh, no, the, the the fun thing though is is I'm colorblind, so oh, doing okay. something with that much color in it, um, like clouds and water and stuff, it's uh, it, it was a challenge at times, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I did. I think it's it's mostly done. There's only a couple little spots that need to finish up, but uh, it was good. So I think the, a, uh, something to do. The last puzzle that my sister did with her uh, her kids were uh, it was a black puzzle. It was all black oh. <laughs> and it, which you, you kind of wonder, you're like that, that can't be that hard, but then you're like, wait a minute, it's all black. You, yeah. you're going, you're piecing those things together. You're, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I actually saw, um, it was Heinz ketchup, I think that put out a ketchup puzzle and it was all red. And, uh, and I said, yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it would be, uh, I said for for someone who's colorblind, it would actually it would either be super super difficult, or it'd be really easy because you would just be focusing on the shapes and yeah. and stuff like that. But uh, uh, yeah, no, it something like that would be quite quite the challenge, I'm sure. So, so then with all, I, I know it's getting late. Uh, it's you guys. Uh, it's almost your bedtime, uh, if not <laughs> almost time for morning matins uh, as, yeah. as the clock goes. But then, so my my one question actually that uh, I'd want to ask uh, someone, uh, you, uh, or if you want to defer to someone else who's more qualified to answer this question, uh, okay. but as Elon Musk uh, propels us to the stars and Trump almost exposed the Galactic Federation or whatever is going on, what if one day in the very soon future, very near future, Let's pick the date 2063 because that's what Star Trek uh, picks is when the Vulcans uh, come to Earth after they, right, they yeah, fly yeah. the inter whatever it is. Um, yeah. What if it turns out that uh, an alien species lands and goes, yeah, hi, we're God? <laughs> uh, that is a very good question. Um, I would, I don't even know what I would do, <laughs> to be honest. Um, well, well, 2063. Yeah, I'll probably still be around. Um, That's 42 I, years from now, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll still be around for sure. I hope. <laughs> I plan um, to yeah, be around for another 100, 100 years or so. So uh, this is yeah. a very much a relevant question for me. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I, for me, I, I'm not going to lie. I probably wouldn't believe him. Uh, I, I would be um, very interested in it for sure. Um but, but you know what? The thing is, like, yeah, when I was younger, that kind of stuff was really interesting. But nowadays, I don't know. I feel 
things like that get harder and harder to believe just because of the technology that we have, you know? Um, I mean, even we, we, we have people that question the authenticity of a squirrel popping up in front of a camera and getting the picture at the right moment. Right. And <laughs> it's like, so how, how do, how can we not question the authenticity of some blurry lights in a photo that we can't even des- decipher anything on, you know? Uh, so it's, it's like things like that. I don't know. I feel like it's getting harder, harder to believe just because we can do so much. I mean, even if we look at our movies and stuff nowadays with CGI and whatnot, like, Oh, the, the possibilities are endless. And, um, you know, so I would, I would be interested in it, but I would have a, a hard time believing it's reality just because of, uh, you know, our world, we can do almost anything now. I don't, I don't want to say we can do anything, but well, we can do so no, much more than we could have done can. even yeah. even 20 years ago. You know, we, we can do so much. So it's, uh, yeah. Uh, would it change your uh, faith at all, do you think? Would it, would it change, like, at all, uh, any of your teachings, your belief? Um, as, on a personal level, I would say still no. I mean, if it were... If for whatever reason it were to be deemed a hundred percent true or whatever, uh, yeah, then I would, I wouldn't question my faith, but I would question maybe, uh, you know, some of the teachings or whatever, just because of like none of this was ever mentioned. You know, we talked. <laughs> you about- missed this chapter, guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but you know, like we have, uh, you know, we talk about the creation of of. of night and day and the the world the oceans the plants the animals humans you know we talk about all this stuff uh and we hear about all these creations and things but you know nowhere did we ever talk about anything in the the skies or the heavens and stuff like this and uh uh so it's i don't know It, it would definitely something would change i don't know what it would but uh uh i would definitely like i said i would I would be intrigued, and uh, like I said, if it if it turned out to be true, um, there would be some questions for sure. Because, like I said, there was no, no, n- never any mention of it of, of anything like that, you know. So, uh, what, what do, how do we deal with that now? What do we do now? <laughs> I wonder. I, I'd probably say that your, your job description would change. That that would probably be, they'd have to update it a little bit. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that, that would be fair. Um, I, I would definitely have a, a, an influx of, of questions coming my way, that's for sure. So yeah. This isn't, uh, I mean, to, to sort of uh, smooth this over, it's not, this is not odd. This actually was brought up uh, in the mid-90s. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the books Conversations with God. This, this was... Uh, yeah, familiar. Literally them, 25 but... years ago. I remember this because there was two major uh, comments made in that book. It was a series of books. I've read the first one and a half. Uh, the third one gets really okay. thick, and I was like, eesh. Um, and as far as I know, I think he's Protestant. Not that it's supposed okay. to matter, but it's not the Catholic Church, which, I right, mean, yeah. we haven't talked about the different denominations of, of churches and belief, uh, or, or uh, of, the, of the Church of Christianity, but... Uh, he he mentions two things. One, um, that God is everything. There can't be anything not God. It's just impossible because okay. if God is everything, it's then it's everything. Um, and as a result, that it's uh, couched in this: 
you will understand God when you understand that Hitler is in heaven. Like he is with God because he cannot not be with God. Uh, that's okay, just yeah. that's that's existence. Um, and right. then the other thing is that he does talk about uh, aliens and the stars. And God says, "Well, I can't tell you everything. I have to let you discover this for yourself because yeah, yeah. it's part of the evolution and the the growth right. of humanity. You have to take those steps. Like we've already taken the Hitler step and going. That's not how you deal with things. Uh, that's not." Right what uh i mean everyone basically agrees nope uh bad idea moving forward how you deal with the massive global exposure of you know we used that we fought each other geographically and mm-hmm. religiously but then all of a sudden someone comes with a spaceship who makes our technology look like a joke you go <laughs> okay now you're on what's yeah. like what's the story what are you gonna do how do you play that game yeah, and you know, and you know that's that's a that's a that's I would say that's a valid point, you know, because I mean, even if we look at story of creation and everything, it doesn't tell us exactly what was all created. I mean, we're we're still discovering species of bugs and animals and stuff like this that have never been discovered before. And you're right, there's there's tons of stuff that have not been revealed to us yet. I mean, even in our own lives, uh, you know, would. <laughs> 12 year old you would you ever imagine that you would be doing a podcast in china right now with with a priest that you knew from years ago like <laughs> you know like i would have been like what <laughs> exactly you know things get revealed to us over time and and uh uh you know as, as we grow as we develop our own selves and and that's true i mean our, our world is no different i mean things are going to get revealed to us as as society grows as our world grows um and, and I mean, yeah, who's to say that there isn't? I'm, I'm not saying that I'm a, I'm a firm believer that there is life out there somewhere, but uh, uh, I mean... I am. Yeah. I am. I believe there's <laughs> well, aliens. Well, there we go. And I'll, I'll tell you why. And this is... Uh, it, if someone were to ask me that, uh, and they, they were charging any any man of faith, like if we were in the room, and a third person came in and said, oh, that nope, you're wrong, Christianity's bad. I'll be like, it's not incompatible, because... Uh, as you said, not everything was discussed, was laid out blueprint-wise. But right. if an alien species showed up, I'd be like, okay, but if you're God, what? where did you come from? Like, that, the idea of God hasn't changed. Like, I mean, right. you, you've yep. stated that you're God, but we have someone else who st- said that. We have people on a daily basis saying that. But we still yeah. say, if you're human, uh, you have a birth and a death. So then where does that come from? The second thing, yeah. with the whole science argument, as you said, we're discovering insects and things like this. And this whole coronavirus thing has made it very clear that science is a word that's being changed and it's used to agendify a lot of things. And it, it bothers me to see this. And I, as an art student, I have a healthy skepticism towards scientists. I'm like, if you don't know the answer to this question, then you can't tell me we have to trust the science because that means science can change and it will change. And that's that's a very I would say that's a very valid point, you know. <laughs> and and I wouldn't say I, I agree hundred percent, but I, I I totally no, but I, I totally understand. You know, which you, parts don't you agree with? with? Which parts would you say agnostic? <laughs> you're you're nope off your rocker. I, I don't know just yet. I'd have to get back to you on that. <laughs> but I mean, but you know, you raise good points. You raise very raise very valid points. That uh, I mean, even like you say, if a scientist 
can't know everything, then then how are we to trust that? How what makes gives you that authority to to say that even you know? And uh, uh, I mean, I, I agree. I think COVID has taught us a lot about that stuff. Um, uh, I mean, even like I said, even these restrictions that we have here in Manitoba, uh, you know, people are are hating on whatever the doctors, the premiers, whoever, uh, whoever's are making these calls. And but again, I mean at least my perspective, at least the doctor who, who does these reports, he at least has more background or more knowledge than I would ever have. And so I'm going to trust him more. Uh, and, and just like he might trust me more on something I tell him in a, in a homily or whatever, you know, uh, we're all going to be a little bit more knowledgeable than the next person because of what we've studied or whatever. So we're going to have a little bit more authority, but we're not, we're not God. We're not going to have uh, the ultimate authority on things and and know everything. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's like I say, you raise good points. It's very, very valid points. I'm not going to discredit things. <laughs> well, if, if the aliens ever did show up I, and you mentioned about the feeling, I think that would sort of be your telltale. You wouldn't, if that is the case, then you would have more of a feeling than anything else. You wouldn't be able to fight it. It would just be like, oh, yeah. Uh, it would be a, a yep. change of understanding your your life. It would drastically change. I think it's going to change anyway. But yeah, no, I absolutely believe aliens are uh, a thing, that they will be here, that we should be working towards a, a unified world in which, you know, when we show up to the Galactic Federation, like we're, they're not like, oh, not, they didn't. Oh, who let them in? <laughs> like, it was so nice until they should. We should not be we should be aiming to we be kept higher them in that thing called the universe. You know, that, that atmosphere <laughs> kept them in there. What happened? Yeah. We don't want yeah. to be that yeah, guy at the party. <laughs> and, and, and like, I won't, I wouldn't say I firmly believe that there's nothing out there, but like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that I'm not open to the fact that there might be. Um, but I, but I'm not a, a firm believer that yes, there for sure is. If there is, cool let's let's learn let's see let's uh you know like let's explore or whatever uh and if and if there's not then well there's not you know it's uh it's something that if it happens it's going to change the world for sure and if it doesn't well then we keep going on and there's going to be conspiracies for the rest of our lives you know like uh, well, yeah, what if they did show I, I, up and start saying the Our Father? Like, wouldn't that just shut up a half of the world to be like, oh, so you mean it's an inter-world faith? Like, snap, that, done. That would be interesting. That like, would be very interesting. <laughs> I mean, you could take it For both sure. ways. Like, okay, so they, there's one idea, like, they're declaring themselves to be God. There's another one to say, no, we are of the faith. Like, we, yeah. we have the same faith. And, like, it's the same for any world religion that showed up. And, like, it's an interplanetary idea that of a yeah. faith you know tr love people and treat them with respect yeah yeah exactly that would be uh the old man that would change a lot that would really <laughs> change a lot <laughs> oh i think we could go on for a lot more uh but i i know it's getting late um we'll leave it there uh unless like do you have anything else that needs to be declared that uh, i mean you'd want people to know um you know as a takeaway from this um, not really. I mean, uh, I, I know, uh, one of my biggest things for me was, uh, you know, people often, 
I had a, a lot of mixed emotions and reactions when I would tell people that I was wanting to be a priest, you know, uh, I had a lot of people that were, were really excited. Uh, I had people that questioned it, um, people that were, you know, surprised to see someone in, you know, quote, this day and age, <laughs> you know, to, to be like, oh, that you're actually following that or whatever, you know, so, uh, but I mean, I guess that just shows that, I mean, whatever we want to do, we can, we can achieve it if we work hard and we get through it, you know, and then that's, that's exactly what I did. I, I followed this my whole life. Um, there have definitely been times when I've worked my butt off to get there. And uh, there's, there's been unhappy times, unpleasant times for sure. Um, but I mean, who, whose life is, is completely perfect like that, that we, we have those, uh, I mean, everyone's going to have those moments, you know? So um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here and I have zero complaints of where I'm at. Uh, I'm just excited to finally be here. I, I, I think my only complaint would be I would wish this pandemic would be over so that I could fully get immersed with, with the ministry and everything. Uh, it definitely is putting a, a damper on things at the moment. But uh, um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to. I, I can't wait to get, you know, more active, more involved with things and stuff. So, but yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much for taking uh, a lot of your entire Friday night uh, to uh, talk with me today. I appreciate <laughs> no it. Worries. I think people are going to uh, love this. Uh, it's been a fantastic uh, couple hours, few hours. Yeah. We've covered a lot. Yeah. We really have. For sure. For sure. Um, but I think this this is going to this is a good listen for anybody who's uh, out there who has any sort of question. And I'm sure there's young people out there too who are going to listen to it. Oh, I don't know. Do do young kids listen to old men talking on podcasts? Old men, not old. I mean, we're middle aged, I guess, at this point, aren't we? Upper thirties. Yeah, I guess so. I Upper thirties. So. Hipster millennials, right? Yeah, but, uh, I, I'm still low thirties. Keep that in mind. Oh, okay. So there you go. I, I just entered the thirties. So. Uh, yeah, oh, that's uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if people want to get in touch with you, um, how can they uh, follow you? Get in touch. Ask more questions. Uh, so, I mean, of course I'm on Facebook, so they can always find that, um, our, our parish, uh, district is also on Facebook, uh, Rossburn, uh, .ugcc. um, and yeah, you can search us on the web, everything like that. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you can message the Facebook group, you can message me personally, um, there's emails all around there that you can find, so just search, <laughs> just Go like through, everything else, search, search my name or, or search the parish and, and you'll find all the information there. So, uh, yeah, I'm, like I said, I, I, I welcome any kind of conversation or any kind of question. Uh, that's actually one of my big things right now is that I'm trying to start up is, is a Q and a with father Jay. I'm, I'm encouraging okay. people to do that, to do that learning about their faith, you know, submit questions that you've always wanted to ask, uh, and we'll, we'll answer them. So yeah awesome all right well thank you very much <laughs> father jay corbin uh and no I, I i i didn't uh open it with it but christos was because uh this weekend this weekend is the the ukrainian the yeah the, the old calendar the, Julian the old calendar because yeah. uh, i was talking to my, my russian teacher last night who lives in ukraine oh. and she's like what do you mean it's not easter in china i'm like oh lady <laughs> uh First Most of all, of the world is not Easter right now. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, yeah, no, it's not Easter today. But uh, if it was, I think the Chinese Catholic Church or the Christian Church would follow um, 
the other calendar. The, so the new oh, calendar. Yeah. So they would have celebrated yeah, at the beginning of April, uh, not yeah. not this one. Uh, the Ukrainian yeah. calendar, as I call it. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Have a good night. No uh, we'll talk Thank again. you for having me. It was awesome doing this, and uh, I look forward to, to hearing more from you. So. Cheers. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. No problem. Yeah. And that was episode 24 of my podcast. Thank you very much for taking the time, uh, joining me today and Father Jay Corbin, talking about a lot of things, uh, religion and faith-based, uh, and also growing up around Canada. Uh, Jay has been around uh, in Winnipeg, Ottawa. He's Yes, he is a new priest, uh, and I'm excited to see him taking on the, uh, the life of uh, a man of faith in the Ukrainian Catholic Church. So it'll be great to uh, keep in touch and see how things develop, especially in this day and age. I think we do need a little bit more people who are rock solid in their um, faith and in their uh, ability to be approachable and have these conversations. So uh, I hope you guys got a lot from it. And as always, I'll have the uh, show notes on my website, stevensersky.com, episode 24. Uh, Shoot me an email. Uh, troll me on Twitter if you have to. Uh, join the club. Uh, but yeah, and if you need to get in touch with uh, Jay, I will uh, put his uh, uh, contact details on the website as well. All right. Thanks for taking the time. We will talk again. Bye-bye. <laughs>